You're in the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. This has been a week that I'd rather forget. Let me explain, listeners of the Paracast with Gene and Chris. Earlier this week, in case you had problems getting to our site or downloading the episode, it was because hackers were involved. And what they did is something we call in the industry a DDoS, Distributed Denial of Service Attack. What that means is you send loads of bogus requests to a site and you bring it down because you can only handle so much traffic. This is what's happening in the U.S. now with the healthcare exchanges where there's so much traffic they can't handle it. But of course you're dealing then with government computers that were sold from the lowest bidder or the one who bribed the government. So we can't expect perfection. But in our case, we just have one server. So I had to literally set up another server to move everything over. So I think we're okay now. The question is, why were we being attacked? I don't think it has anything to do with UFOs or the paranormal, because since moving the servers, things have been okay. Have they been for you, Chris? Yeah. Yeah, I just uh, had problems a couple of days there. You know, a few days ago, trying to get on uh, to the forum. But, uh, you know, the computer guru here is uh, is taking care of business. Or whatever I am, yes. I'm not a computer guru. I just dabble. Speaking of dabble, let's dabble into a few other subjects before we get to our guest today. Dabble number one. We've got a few complaints that we didn't bring up when we had Don Schmidt. We didn't bring up the issue of questions about his background, because he doesn't want to tell you he worked at the post office. I think that's the issue. I thought you guys uh, covered that back uh, several years ago when he was last on. I seem to recall listening to the episode, and uh, and that was all covered. We're not a muckraker outfit here. We, uh, we're interested in the subject matter, and, and that sort of thing kind of bogs you down. Obviously, there have been some issues about his... Um, background I, I i somebody mentioned on the forum that he also has fabricated something about his education i was not aware of that i was always under the impression that he had never really fessed up about what he did it was more of a lie by omission as opposed to uh, a fabrication now gene you may know something more about this but i just didn't think it was appropriate uh, based on uh, his prior appearance on the show explaining all that i don't think it rises to the equivalence of the issues we have with Phil Imbrogno, where just about everything in his background was a fake. No, I thought I thought he just didn't admit to people that he was a postman. And, and that, to me, is not, not a heinous crime. Uh, I mean, I, I have to tell you this. I think being a postman, working for the post office, is an honorable profession. It carries a lot of trust. I think we trust everything to our... Postman, mailman, male woman, male person, or whatever. We trust them to bring us our bills. We trust them to bring our checks. We trust them to bring our packages. They don't get great pay. The U.S. Postal Service is always beleaguered because of money for one reason or another. So, you know, I think he should be proud of the fact that he worked for the post office, but that's just me. Anyway, it is old ground. Let's pass it by. I would say, however, that the book itself is a well-written book. I don't think it's a smoking gun in there. It's got some intriguing theories. You know, leave it at that. So, for example, he dismisses Colonel Corso, 
with regard to reverse engineering of the alleged wreckage from Roswell. But he cites an article from Tony Bregalia, one of the Roswell Dream Team members, and we'll have more to say on that in a moment, talking about reverse engineering this memory metal that restores itself to its previous shape. And I saw nothing there but references to military people who may or may not have had knowledge, but there's no smoking gun, no proof of anything. And it goes back to that, because when you talk about reverse engineering, you have to assume that the paper trail that we present over someone's invention has all been faked, or that we aren't smart enough to build this stuff by ourselves, or that we were somehow influenced at the last minute or in some ways by ET technology, but we have no proof. And I think yeah. that's part of the problem. Well, the whole book is filled with uh, with pretty compelling anecdotal information and deathbed testimonies, and, and uh, they do a good job of sleuthing out individuals who, you know, were at right pat at some point in time and and some of that is very compelling but again it's just all hearsay we don't really have the as you put it smoking gun evidence to suggest that any of these scenarios um can be proven so i think the jury is still out i think the, the book was a little bit kind of a bait and switch title the real area 51 uh sort of a buzzword it's all about right pat and most of the information about Wright Pat was about Roswell. So in, in, in one sense of the word, it, it's, it's actually a book about Roswell, but it's what happened to everything after it allegedly left, uh, Roswell. So, you know, again, this whole, this whole subject matter, Gene, is, <laughs> as many of our listeners know, I, I just, I really have this sense that it's always been a red herring. Sure, it's an important case, but, I think there's a lot more important things that uh, could, you know, stand a little focus uh, <laughs> similar to what's being placed onto the Roswell case. All right, let's talk about that. We have the Roswell Dream Team, and now we've got some sort of controversy over the Dream Team. Controversy over whether, I guess, they're falling apart because of disagreements? Huh. Well, it all stems from uh, the claim that two... Uh, photographic slides have uh, somehow magically appeared i think it was here in sedona in some somebody's basement or attic or something and when did this uh got out to uh various members in the ufological community but there was uh i think didn't uh schmidt and carrie have to sign non-disclosure agreements uh in order to be brought into the loop on this and then other members uh, were not brought in, and there's. it seems like there's a little bit of backbiting going on. Uh, it's a lot of posturing, it sounds like. Uh, until the actual photographs are analyzed, um, I think it's a tempest in a teapot. And the fact that the way it's being mishandled by the principals is putting a pall, I think, over the whole <laughs> potential um, bombshell nature of this story. Again, I think I saw some commentary uh, a day or two ago. Somebody equated it with uh, the alien autopsy film, the Ray Santilli film, and, and it very well could be just the latest example of somebody trying to pull a fast one and make make some dough. Obviously, uh, money is involved here. There's some uh, question of whether some major TV program or network has already optioned the rights to to these uh, these photograph images. 
again, until we see it, until it's analyzed, until we can find that curly phone cord or some telling piece of information that'll give away a hoax. Or conversely, if we find uh, something that's uh, evidentiary and proves it to be real, uh, the jury's still out, and I'm not impressed. I'm not impressed by the fact that this was all made public. I think this is something where you quietly work on the evidence, you quietly deal with situations like this, and then you work amongst yourselves to resolve it. Because when you make it into a public spectacle, as it is, and we have a thread in our forums about it, and there are several blog entries about it, when you make it a public spectacle, you're not really solving anything. You're just messing around about the process, and it gets very boring real fast because, as I said, it's not leading us to a solution to Roswell. It's just muddying the waters all over again. And that's not muddy waters, by the way. Hey, we have a great guest for today. Tell us more about it. Well, Gene, we have David Weatherly joining us for a return visit to the Paracast. He was uh, on our very um, engaging show about the Skinwalker Ranch case. Uh, He was on along with Ryan Skinner a couple of years back. David is uh, one of the people that have been looking into the claims of black-eyed children. He has a book on that subject, and also he has a new book called Strange Intruders. So I'm really looking forward to having David here and asking him some questions about some of these uh, cool things that he investigates. With Gene and Chris, you're in The Paracast. Neighbors, are you tired of dealing with a slow web hosting provider? Well, check out A2 Hosting and their screaming fast Swift server platform. They even have SSDs that load pages 300% faster than the competition. Ready to give your site a speed boost? Well, tell you what, neighbors, head on over to A2Hosting.com. That's A2, that's number two, A2Hosting.com. Check out their Prime Hosting account. And get this, neighbors, they're even giving you an exclusive 25% off discount for all our listeners. 25%. And remember, their Guru Crew support team is standing by 24-7, 365 days a year to answer any of your questions. Now, to get the discount, use the coupon code GENE when you check out gold it's like nothing else on earth from the romans through the renaissance from the industrial age to the space age gold has weathered the test of time for six thousand years gold has remained the ultimate store of wealth according to the world gold council in the u.s mint demand is at an all-time high the stage is being set for the re-emergence of gold as the common sense alternative to a fiat paper currency that gets weaker every day midas resources is proud to offer the hard-hitting report that arms you with the truth you need to protect you and your family from the Fed's plans for your hard-earned money. Don't gamble with your future. Call Midas Resources today and ask for your free copy of As Good As Gold. Call 1-800-686-2237 for the report the Fed hopes you'll never see. As Good As Gold can be yours by calling 800-686-2237. If you have ever thought about owning gold, you must read this report. Call Midas today at 800-686-2237. To thank you for being a loyal listener, we have a limited-time freebie offer for you. Claim your free heirloom tomato seeds, just pay shipping, right now at 123freeseeds.com. These aren't ordinary seeds. 
These are heirloom, non-genetically modified super seeds that are open pollinated and can be grown, harvested, and replanted endlessly. These survival seeds are actually more valuable than gold in a crisis. Go to 123freeseeds.com and you can get an airtight storage packet of 150 super seeds free while supplies last to say thank you for being a loyal listener. First come, first served. Just cover shipping. Go to 123freeseeds.com now to see if your free heirloom seeds are still available. That's 123freeseeds.com. A healthy digestive system supports a healthy immune system. And a healthy immune system protects you against infections and disease. Pro-EM1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse, available at Terragonics.com, is the key to digestive health. Pro-EM1 is a powerful liquid probiotic and is gentle enough to use every day. Pro-EM1 contains three groups of beneficial microbes and enzymes to cleanse and remove toxins, supports weight loss, improves absorption of food nutrients, and aids in controlling yeast and other infections. Pro-EM1. One is dairy, wheat, and soy-free, is non-GMO, has all natural certified organic ingredients, has no preservatives, and is never freeze-dried. Pro-EM-1 is the key to your digestive health. Order Pro-EM-1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse at Terraganics.com, spelled T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com, Terraganics.com, or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Pro-EM-1, the raw probiotic. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. Here on the Paracast with Gene and Chris, we're going to look at strange intruders, black-eyed children, and all sorts of weird stuff with David Weatherly, who's making a return appearance on the Paracast. David, welcome to the show. Gentlemen, thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure to be on with you guys. Now, I understand here that you've been running after these things for a long, long time, this investigation. But Strange Intruders, in putting that book together, what did you focus on? Strange Intruders focuses on uh, essentially weird entity encounters. Um, I tried to put some historical context in and, and talk about some, you know, what are considered classic cases and then a lot of uh, modern encounters to, to give the sense that, you know, there's a wide range of just weird beings that seem to be cropping up continually around the world. And, um, you know, people are reporting more and more of these encounters as, uh, as we keep moving forward. Now, looking at these encounters, do they focus on a specific type of entity or being, or are they all over the place? You know, they're sort of all over the place. I I had a handful of things I wanted to focus on with this book. Uh, For instance, I cover the djinn, and that's something that I'm probably asked about more than any other topic over the last couple of years. So there's a whole chapter on the djinn. There are um, chapters on uh, shadow people. I cover the, the black-eyed beans a little bit more, just as a sort of a follow-up to my last book, and uh, a few other miscellaneous things. I pretty much avoided you know, classical cryptids. I don't talk about Sasquatch in this book or any of those types of uh, more animal-oriented things. So these are basically, uh, it's oriented towards humanoid type of uh, manifestations. 
You know, let's look at that here. Why not focus on Bigfoot, too? Those are strange creatures. Yeah, they absolutely are. And, uh, you know, that's something I'll, I'll probably cover in a future book. But at some point, you have to put a cap on things. And, uh, you know, I think that the theme I tried to stick with in this book is essentially geared towards entities that uh, I believe fit into this idea of things that are coming through portals or openings into other dimensions. Okay, I don't understand the distinction here. So, therefore, these beings might be coming in from other dimensions, but Bigfoot is native? Well, most of the cryptids, I think, fall into some type of animal manifestations. You know, granted, there are some different paths we could go down with that. We could look at skinwalkers, for instance, which are, you know, they're humanoid, but they're also considered cryptids by some people. It's, you know, the lines are really blurry. So, to be honest, it's, it's kind of hard to say, you know, where does this really where is this distinguished? I think the whole point was I just tried to stay away from the more animal-type manifestations of beings and stick more to things that are attempting to appear somewhat human. All right, let's talk about gin. And the reason I want to emphasize this is because we've had Rosemary Ellen Guiley on the show on several occasions, and she's made a huge point in covering that subject. But whenever we have her on... The people in the forums say, you know what, this is just folklore. Why are we dealing with this? So how do we take something that is perceived perhaps as folklore and make it relevant, make it current, make it something that really has relevance? That's a great question. I think that the gin have become really prominent within the paranormal field in general over the last couple of years. Uh, you know, Rosemary's done an incredible amount of work on the topic. Other people have been looking at it, too. And it, it definitely does have a root in folklore. It also has a, a root in, you know, the spiritual traditions of the Middle East because of the, the supposed origin of the jinn. But what I find very fascinating is that, you know, for, oh gosh, you know, 10 years or more, we've now had a constant Western military presence in the Middle East. Uh, literally thousands of soldiers from the United States and the UK. And these men are in interacting with these um, ancient societies that have always believed in the idea of the jinn. And a lot of these soldiers, you know, they're bringing back uh, souvenirs and trophies and so forth that are purportedly haunted or, or bound to jinn. This is kind of where the whole evolution of, you know, the genie in the bottle silliness that we have in, in the West came from, this, uh, this ancient principle that, a magician could bind a jinn to a particular object in order to uh, have control over it. It would often be a piece of jewelry, a ring, a necklace, and so forth. So, uh, you know, all of that aside, we have modern interactions with these Middle Eastern people who are carrying these objects that, you know, they say, okay, you know, we've had this in our family for, you know, 100 years. It has a powerful jinn in it. I'll, you know, I gift it to you or I sell it to you. And, What's fascinating is that these a lot of these soldiers are coming back home, they're coming back to the UK and the United States, and they're starting to experience very strange things in their lives. This is every time they bring back these artifacts? Well, it's not every time, but, but there are a lot of these cases at this point. And, you know, it's, it's kind of to the point where they're just a bit too many to completely ignore. Now, 
you know, I always try to look at things completely open-minded. I'm not uh, trying to convince anyone that, okay, here's a cursed ring that has a, a gin in it, and it's the, the cause of this person's misery. There could be a psychological component here. Uh, there could be, you know, any number of reasons for it, but we can't deny the fact that there are a lot of these cases that are growing more and more around the, around the country. And these people are experiencing very strange things in their lives. Uh, like I said, poltergeist-like activity, uh, illnesses in the family. And we're not talking about, you know, just random everyday things. These things tend to crop up uh, very suddenly and, and come in, you know, large, uh, dramatic expressions. And inevitably, in these cases, when someone comes around to the fact that, okay, well, I've got this you know, necklace that purportedly has a gin in it. And once that item is dealt with or taken away, the problems dissipate. Now, you know, this is the chicken or the egg thing. Is it because that person really believed that the gin was with them and was somehow co-creating all of this, you know, misery and, and bad luck in their lives? Or is there some type of entity actually attached to this thing that is causing these problems? Can you describe what kind of artifacts in more detail, is it just something that has the image of a gin? Obviously, I'm not thinking in terms of, of course, the bottle. Right. Well, you know, if you go back to um, the principle that was practiced among, quote, magicians during, you know, the medieval period, the Renaissance period, a lot, a lot of different periods in history, uh, there was this concept that through a ceremonial ritual, you could contact a powerful being whether it was a demon or a jinn, uh, sometimes even an angel, you could contact that being and through a, a specific set of rituals, you could bind it to a particular object. Uh, as I said, it was often a piece of jewelry. Uh, so, for instance, they would create a ring. Uh, they would go through a ritual process to contact uh, a jinn and bind this thing to this ring. Maybe the jinn were responsible for our server problems, for the hacker problems. <laughs> Who knows? We have David Weatherly joining us, talking about gin and more, and not the kind that you drink. With Gene and Chris, you're in The Paracast. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. If you want to get your website online and you need reliable service, first-class service at the lowest possible price, there's only one place to go. Well, DreamHost has a special promotion with our show where they'll offer you unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, one-click web apps such as WordPress, 24-7 support. You can save over $55. You want to know how? Go to DreamHost.com slash radio, DreamHost.com slash radio. First game attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. 
For over five years, you've been hearing about the Berkey guy, so you may know a few things about him. For example, you are well aware of the superior quality and effectiveness of Berkey water filters and accessories. But did you know the Berkeys have had independent lab tests done to prove just how effective they are? It's true, and he can email you the test results. Just visit GoBerkey.com. You may also know that the Berkey guy has helped tens of thousands of people get better prepared. Now here's something you may not know. GoBerkey.com has amazing specials and deals all the time on a wide variety of survival and preparedness products. Most ready to ship same day. Visit the Berkey guy at GoBerkey.com and be sure to click the red Products on Sale Now button. You can always call toll-free 877-886-3653. Again, that's 877-886-3653. GoBerkey.com, home of the Berkey guy. It's time for a home security quiz. What effective home security device is smaller than a coffee cup, fakes out burglars into thinking someone is home at your house while you're away, plugs into any wall outlet, is recommended by many police departments, and sells for less than $30? Yes, it's fake TV. This year, about one in every 50 U.S. homes will have a break-in, with burglars usually picking the easy target, a dark house that looks like no one is home. Fake TV is a small electronic security device that makes it look like someone is home watching TV by simulating the light from a real TV. Fake TV could be the difference between coming home to a secure house or one that's been ransacked. To get your fake TV for only $29.95 with free shipping, go to faketv.com or call 1-877-5-FAKE-TV. That's 877-532-5388 or go to faketv.com. Fake TV, the burglar deterrent. Weakened by GMOs, stressed out about money, and blasted by the electric environment. Hi, I'm Pastor Jenny, and that was the state I was in back in 2010. Then I learned about RNA drops. I learned that 97% of my DNA that scientists have called junk is actually packed with millions of gene switches that play a critical role in controlling how my cells, organs, and other tissues behave. I learned I don't have to put up with disease, decay, or decline like I'd been conditioned to believe. I began taking RNA Drops, a 100% natural formula designed to turn on those switches and provide me with amazing health and joy. Learn more about RNA Drops and order a free sample today. Visit rnafreesample.com. That's rnafreesample.com. Or call toll-free 888-577-3703. Pay only shipping and handling for a free 30-day supply of RNA drops. Get the information you need and the health you want at rnafreesample.com. Hi, this is Don Ecker, and you are tuned into the Paracast. Let me tell you what, you're going to hear stuff here that you probably won't hear anywhere else. Hear that, George Snorri? I can't resist that statement, you know, about gin, therefore it's something we drink. Maybe I'm thinking of my late friend Jim Mosley, who always had a glass, but usually whiskey. That was his favorite drink. Okay, so you're saying in these ceremonies... The gin, is it the power, the essence, is bound to a necklace or a bracelet or something? Does that Correct. mean that it becomes part of it or what? Uh, it, it essentially becomes imprisoned by it. Uh, so if you go back to original you know, gin lore from the Islamic uh, text, you'll find that when the gin, and, and let me back up for anybody who doesn't know, you know, Classically, the, the whole mythos of the jinn was that they were one of the three races 
created by Allah, the other two being angels and humans. So when Allah came along and ordered that the jinn had to bow down to the superiority of humans, they refused. And in their refusal, uh, they were banished. Now, the banishment in this tradition is that they were, you know, it sounds like they were sent into another dimension almost. Essentially, they were just uh, forced off the human plane in terms of, of walking around physical beings like we are. And as a result, uh, the jinn are said to be able to exist within anything. It's just that you, you can't see them. They're these sort of invisible beings. So when you go to the Middle East, you'll find that there are a lot of uh, abandoned buildings and even historical sites like Petra that are purportedly, you know, inhabited by jinn. And uh, as a result of this, uh, these beings exist in the world all around us. Somewhere along the way, uh, magicians got the idea that, oh, you can contact these beings and, and bind them to a particular object. In other words, imprison them uh, by connecting them permanently to a ring or a necklace and so forth. Is that where the legend of the genie in the bottle comes from? Yeah, it sure is. It sure is. That's, that's the westernized version. And, you know, in the West, we've, we've come to be conditioned to believe these things are, are sort of a joke. I mean, you say gin now in the West, and first of all, most people don't know what you're talking about. They, like you said, Gene, they think you're talking about a, a bottle of, of uh, liquor. But when you say genie, you know, a couple of things come to mind. Either the goofy Disney cartoon, or if you're a little bit older like I am, then you automatically think of, you know, I Dream of Genie, this bungling blonde in a harem pants, you know, coming out of a bottle. Yeah, with no belly button. Right. <laughs> I was about to say that. Great insane minds think alike. <laughs> that because of the nature of TV in those days, Wasn't you couldn't allowed. show a belly button. <laughs> but if you've seen a picture of Barbara Eden and she's got to be 80 years of age, she looks like, you know, 50 or something. It's amazing. So she and has she magical powers. I believe that. Too. <laughs> um, yeah, and she can still get into the genie outfit. <laughs> right. Very odd. Yeah, so, you know, we're conditioned in the West to think that these things are a joke and that they're just, you know, sort of silly or, or comical and, and that, you know, they're, uh, they're part of this mythology. Oh, you find a bottle and you rub it and you get three wishes. Uh, but really, when you start studying a lot of the ancient uh, lore of these beings, you'll find that they're much more sinister. It gets pretty complex when you really do. Very complex. Uh, there's whole classes of, of genies. They have societies. Yeah. They, some of them, you know, they're divided up into colors. Uh, certain mm -hmm. colors are more powerful than others, and there's there's fewer of them. They have lifespans. Uh, there's quite a mythology that's around it. And, and David, your whole point of this cross cultural connection of soldiers returning with objects that that may somehow be associated with these types of uh, forces or the belief in these entities, I, I find that fascinating because normally if you're not a believer in something, uh, at least consciously, um, that will have an effect um, somewhat. But uh, what you're describing sounds uh, like it could be some sort of support for the whole, for the whole phenomenon. Yeah, I, I definitely think so. And that's, you know, that's sort of my approach to the whole topic. And um, I think again, we, We've got so many of these cases that are cropping up now that I don't think we can just brush it aside and say all these people are, are imagining things. And, you know, when you look at the context of what's happened over the last 10 years or so and the increased interaction with those cultures uh, in the Middle East, then it, 
it becomes quite compelling to start comparing that with the idea that we've got all these people that are experiencing these weird things from from some type of you know interaction with uh, whether it's an artifact or you know a cursed object or whatever it is. Well, I've noticed that the Rosemary uh, Guiley is jumping more and more into this uh, idea that Jenner are, are being misidentified in the West and that they're they're being phenomenal events and poltergeist type activity and more negative hauntings. Let's say. I think she's becoming more and more convinced that these are actually gin. What What do you think of this? Do you think that uh, that everything that's happening out there could be ascribed to a gin, uh, or do you feel that this is just a a more kind of a Middle Eastern interpretation of something that exists everywhere uh, and has a different face and a different uh, tag in each culture? Well, I think you hit it right on the head there, Chris. Um, you know, Rosemary's a great friend, and she's done some incredible research on the topic. Uh, you know, we don't agree on absolutely everything. I mean, she's um, she has taken the approach that the jinn are essentially responsible for um, just about any anything. And when you go into the lore of these beings, you'll find that, for instance, they can shapeshift. So, you know, technically they can take any form, whether that be a, a gray alien or a Sasquatch or whatever. But... You know, I, I don't think that um, I, I'm not so quick to jump on the idea that one specific phenomena is responsible for everything we're experiencing in the paranormal world. Uh, I, I think that we definitely do have to consider cultural interpretations. And it's it's really interesting to see how these things are developing with the fact that the world has rapidly become more and more interconnected. You know, it wasn't so long ago on this planet that, you know, the average person really had no idea anything about the Middle East. And, you know, now we've got uh, such an interaction with world cultures at a, at a rapid pace that these traditions and these concepts are starting to cross-pollinate and, and, you know, travel around the world at a rapid pace. So I think, uh, like you're saying, we're definitely looking at a, a cultural interpretation of some type of phenomena. You know, that's just what the Middle Eastern peoples described it as, this concept of these jinn. You go to other areas, you know, go to the uh, parts of Europe, you know, the Celtic lands, and you'll find that it's the, the wee folk, you know, the fae are responsible for a lot of the mischief and the strange things that happen, whether it's uh, strange lights in the sky, oh, those are fairy like Troubled poltergeist-like activity, oh, you probably, you know, irritated the wee people. So, um you know, you have to consider those things. And it's, I think it's fascinating to see, as I said, as all these uh, cultures, you know, continue to mix and intermingle, how our perception of these things is starting to develop. Well, would you interpret this then in terms of your cultural conditioning? Therefore, maybe we're using gin also as an excuse. So nowadays you talk about lights in the sky. So we live in a science fiction culture. <laughs> Do we take jinn phenomena as being a UFO? Can there be a relationship? Now, we have only about a minute left in this segment, so maybe we can start the answer here, then move it on to the next segment. David? Well, the basic answer is that, yes, there are people that, that would argue that, that UFO uh, manifestations are a result of jinn activity. All right. <laughs> Even when they seem to be physical, what about the physical manifestations of UFOs, trace evidence, things in the ground, people being, seeing entities around them, photographing them, 
still gin? You know, if I was playing devil's advocate and arguing that everything was gin, I could definitely say that, yeah. I mean, it's not my personal viewpoint, but when you look at gin lore, according to those traditions, that is definitely possible because it can manifest as anything they choose to. So they take on a physical aspect is what you're saying, and therefore, oh boy. <laughs> oh, this <laughs> is getting really crazy. By the way, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, David Weatherly is joining us. He has a new book out, which is called Strange Intruders, and we've talked about black-eyed children, and right now we're talking about gin and more with Gene and Chris. You're in The Paracast. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. Is there a secret UFO agenda? Do strange creatures from the darkest corners of the mind roam the earth? Is there evidence for mind control, time travel, or devious government conspiracies? Find out the inside scoop on the latest conspiracies, paranormal activity, and Freudian phenomena when you subscribe to Tim Beckley's Conspiracy Journal. It's jam-packed with stories, special book and DVD promotions, and the best news, it's absolutely free, sent right to your mailbox. Plus, a bonus free email newsletter sent out every Friday. Simply send an email with your name and address to MrUFO at WebTV.net. That's MrUFO at WebTV.net. Find out what they don't want you to know. This is an emergency essential sale. This month only at Emergency Essentials. Get 41% off freeze-dried chicken with a 25-year shelf life for only $24.99 while supplies last. During our October sale, 55-gallon water barrels are only $72.99. Our 12-can baking combo, valued at over $160, is now only $109.99. That's 32% off. Call Emergency Essentials at 800-999-1863 today or visit BePrepared.com. The choice is clear. Be unprepared or BePrepared.com. That's the sound of a 44 Magnum and Trauma Max. A high-tech hybrid Kevlar bulletproof vest from InfidelBodyArmor.com will stop it and most pistol rounds. Trauma Max is a major breakthrough in pistol-rated body armor. And prices start at just $170 per insert. More protection, more stopping power, more mobility. And it weighs less than 5 pounds. Get details at InfidelBodyArmor.com. That's I-N-F-I-D-E-L-BodyArmor.com. We live in a complicated society. Stressful issues are always popping up. Have you ever been treated unfairly by someone? Have you ever been overcharged for a repair? Have you ever signed a contract or a document? Worried about identity theft? How many times have you been in those unique situations where you just wanted to call an attorney to find out if you're right or wrong or what your legal rights are? But every time you think about calling an attorney, what do you think about first? That's right. Who do you call and how much will it cost? Our friends at Legal Shield have found a solution. 
With a nationwide network of 6,900 attorneys who average over 19 years of experience, Legal Shields law firms take over 40,000 calls per week helping their members. For less than $20 per month, you can have access to Legal Shield on everything from the trivial to the traumatic. Let Legal Shield stand up for your rights at lsprotection.com. That's lsprotection.com. Or call 855-340-SAVE. 855-340-7283. A little over a year ago, I began to do a lot of research into why, even though I had a pretty good-sized meal, that I was still starving. And my research led me to a well-known fact that most of the soils that we grow our crops on here in the United States and across the industrialized world are almost completely depleted of almost all of the key minerals and trace elements that our bodies need to rebuild themselves, fight off cancer, and be healthy. I then searched out the best vitamin and mineral company out there and discovered Longevity. The Longevity products are designed to give you the real nutrition you need, and once you've got that, you don't have to eat as much to be satisfied. I've lost 37 pounds in two months simply getting the vitamins and minerals I need. Check it out for yourself. It's incredible. Go to InfoWarsTeam.com today and order your first canister of Beyond Tangy Tangerine Complete Multivitamin Mineral Complex Dietary Supplement. That's InfoWarsTeam.com. This is Kurt Southern, the author of UFO Mysteries, and you're listening to the Paracast. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm not asking you to take your belief system and place it at the door and listen. But David Weatherly has some fascinating theories to voice, one of which is when we say jinn, we're interpreting it in the Middle East culture, but if we look at European cultures, American cultures, I assume then that the Native Americans have legends that are related to this too, right? Oh, sure. I mean, they don't they don't call them the jinn, obviously, but, you know, various Native tribes will uh, talk about different types of spiritual beings. It's not commonly known, you know, around the world, but a lot of Native tribes have legends of little people. And, you know, that's, uh, in most people's minds, that's specific to Ireland and, and you know, the Celtic region, but... Uh, that's not the case. We find little people traditions around the world. Uh, Hawaii has the Minahune. Uh, you go to the Northeast, you'll find the Pukwudgies. So, you know, these are um, sort of global concepts that, uh, you know, crop up in, in cultures all over the place. Okay, now the big question people ask, the people interested in physical phenomena, with all these legends, and maybe we can find a singular cause, whatever you want to label it, gin, whatever, how the heck can we prove it? Before we even get to the black-eyed children and the slender man and all that, how do we prove gin? Oh, wow. I, I don't know if I have an answer for that because, you know, everyone's uh, concept of what constitutes proof is going to be different. A skeptic uh, wouldn't believe in Sasquatch if, if one picked him up and carried him away. But uh, well, that might know, be uh, something you could hope for. <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> but, you know, a believer is... Um, you know, content just with the, the idea that these things exist. So I, I think that individuals have to find their own uh, comfortable place with what constitutes proof for them. So this is not something that you can expect any centralized scientific consensus on? You know, maybe eventually, because I think what we're seeing with uh, the development of uh, the quantum sciences is a reach towards 
sort of spiritual and mystical concepts. So I, I think eventually some of those things are going to start to interact to a pretty large degree. And, and I can give you an example of that. Um, you know, there's this concept of uh, portals that you'll find all over the world. Uh, you go to different cultures and you'll find this legend about a race of beings that lived here with us. And at some point they left. Uh, now, you know, ancient alien theorists will, will jump on that and say, well, that was the, you know, the aliens that came down and tinkered around and then left in their spaceships. But really, what you more often find in a lot of these tales is that, uh, okay, these beings were here and they left through, you know, a, a hole in the ground or a shimmering doorway and so forth. And that, to you know, for me personally, that translates as some type of uh, dimensional travel or, or some type of portal that they're traveling through. And that sounds like fantasy or science fiction to a lot of people. But when you back up a little bit and consider that, you know, in the last few years, the quantum sciences and, you know, these different um, string theories and so forth are looking at concepts of other dimensions existing. You know, there's uh, PhDs that have come forward and say, OK, we've we, we now believe and theorize that there are other dimensions of existence. You know, there are at least 12 you know, or whatever the number they're saying is. We don't know how to get to them or what they look like, but we know they're there. You know, when you say that, you talk about creatures that abandoned us maybe a few thousand years ago. I think of Dero, Richard oh. Shaver's Dero and Tiro, yeah. where the people who were left behind for whatever reason entered the caverns. But wouldn't you think that maybe even Shaver's Dero's were based on similar legends? Probably so. I mean, a lot of native cultures, you know, have these legends of creatures that went underground at some point. Uh, sometimes they're described as, as reptilians, and I, I know that it's a, a real nerve with a lot of people these days. But, um, you know, this this concept, uh, you know, this cultural image that we have, it's, it's really been around for a very, very long time. And a lot of times people lose track of the historical context of these things because, they focus on the, you know, whatever the current meme is. So a good example of that is you mentioned alien now, uh, spaceman or alien. The image that's automatically conjured in the minds of most people is what? The little gray alien with the big head and the black eyes. But, you know, you trace that back and you'll find that when Strieber released uh, Communion in 87, you know, with that really iconic cover of that gray alien, that really firmed that concept in everyone's consciousness okay this is this is what the aliens look like so basically he contributed to the perception he, he that there were gray aliens he did but he certainly did not create it because we can start tracing that backwards for instance in 1901 hg wells released uh, the first man in the moon and he describes in that book the selenites these beings that live underground they have gray skin large heads, and huge round black eyes. So, you know, this this is, uh, um, you know, I think these a lot of these images exist in people's subconscious mind going way back to early, early lore of, you know, whether it's tribal or whatever. And uh, it just gets sort of rebirthed on occasions and brought to a different uh, contemporary level. You also have the iconic image of Lamb from 1919, oh, yes. I believe, uh, yeah. with Alistair Crowley. Crowley. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, yeah. And and so, you know, the point is you can find those images uh, all throughout history if you really 
take the time to research it and start tracing it backwards. And and who, I, I honestly don't know, you know, where the first iteration of that image came from. It was probably some uh, something from some tribal lore somewhere that eventually just evolved to its current stage. But even the conditions of the interactions with these beings, we see that sort of rebirth on a constant level too. And And an example of that is, you look at contemporary abduction accounts, and you start correlating that with fairy lore from Ireland, and it's the comparisons are pretty compelling. You know, uh, missing time, uh, lights in the sky, uh, you know, different physical interactions. It's just pretty amazing stuff. So we could easily say that you know the current. Uh, interpretation that we're having of these experiences with these whatever these beings are that we're describing as as gray aliens really goes back much further in history too so what you're doing here is taking the legend of the jinn and making it more up close and personal well i think that's what's happened and just by conditions you know it's we're seeing sort of a, a renaissance in the concept of the jinn right now I think also what we have here, unfortunately, in this country is we don't want to look at legends of things from the Middle East. And there are religious concerns over that, as you might know. Sure. Yeah, I I would agree with that. And, you know, I think that the other side of that is that there's a general reluctance in um, in much of the U.S. to really look at things in depth anyway. Uh, you know, we sort of live in a, a fast food culture where people want these instant answers. You know, you can buzz through a drive through and get your, you know, supersized meal in a, in a couple of minutes. Why should you spend much time delving into to the lore of these weird happenings? And, you know, I'm certainly not saying that everyone is like that. But, it, again, it goes to conditioning and what people are, are used to. And, you know, I find I travel a lot and I find that. United States is very unique in that people here really want instant answers. There's no patience for anything. No. So unfortunate, isn't it? It also makes it difficult because if you have something that's a long-range phenomenon, and what you're talking about are just UFOs in general, strange creatures, anything, these things have been going on for years, and we keep begging for an answer yesterday. And obviously, those of us who have been chasing these things for a long, long time, and you have, what, 35 years on your under your belt? That's correct, yeah. Okay. You've been chasing it for many years. We know Chris has several decades. I've been around it for a few hundred years. <laughs> that we're not expecting any immediate answers. Of course, sometimes the big frustration is not that we don't have immediate answers, but that we're not making an awful lot of progress over the years. It seems as if we keep asking the same questions, we continue posing the same theories, we continue having the same disputes, and we got into some of those disputes in the section of the show before you got on. So it gets to be downright frustrating, but we're going to try, we're going to persevere, we're going to ask more about these weird creatures, these strange intruders in our next segment. David Weatherly joins us on the Paracast this week. By the way, you can check us out on Twitter. We hardly mention that. We're known on Twitter as the Paracast, and there's a Paracast fan club 
on Facebook that we don't mention very often either. That's because with Gene and Chris, you're in the Paracast. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. The National Preppers and Survivalist Expo, presented by Triton Shelter Technologies, is the only national event designated for the prepper community. October 19th and 20th at the North Atlanta Trade Center in Atlanta, Georgia. Admission is free, and the doors open at 9 a.m. Join us and learn life-saving tips that can help you and your family handle crisis situations. Special guests include Kevin O'Brien from Nat Geo's Doomsday Preppers, David Crawford, author of Lights Out, the director and cast members from the movie Lights Out Saga, and more. Special guest speakers include GCN's own Dr. Joel Wallet, along with Dr. Bones, Nurse Amy, and Tom Martin, the director of the American Preppers Network, two-time field and stream champion Chad Weatherford, along with many other leading experts from around the country. Join us for the country's largest emergency preparedness event, absolutely free, October 19th and 20th at the North Atlanta Trade Center in Atlanta, Georgia. For more information, visit NPSExpo.com. That's NPSExpo.com. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. On the Paracast with Gene and Chris, David Weatherly making his encore appearance here. His latest book, Strange Intruders. Now, before we go on, let me ask you about that title. Intruders, that implies evil or harmful. It does. And, you know, it's sort of based on the concept that most of these uh, beings that I cover in this book are, uh, you know, they're certainly unwanted (laughs) visitors. They come in very suddenly into people's lives and, you know, hence the um, hence the title intruders. Okay, but coming in unwanted, does that mean they want to do us harm or are, are we just frightened because they're strange? You know, what I, what I really focused on in this book was um, beings that seem to have a more sinister agenda or at the least were causing uh, very unsettling and disturbing uh, periods in people's lives. So an example, obviously you mentioned the soldiers who bring back an artifact or a necklace or jewelry that's been infected or infused with a gin. 
What other things do we see happening? As far as other beings that are covered in this, uh, this is I cover the shadow people too. And this is something that, you know, has floated around in the paranormal world for a long time, no pun intended. And uh, once again, a lot of those who are studying this jinn lore are now interpreting the shadow people as, oh, this is just a manifestation of the jinn. Uh, I, I really feel it's something completely separate. And these encounters, you know, they're essentially, they're called shadow beings because they literally look like the shadow of a person. Uh, however, they they uh, move independently of physical people. As opposed to looking like a fictional shadowy character. Right. Well, fiction, okay. Right. So, you know, these are uh, shadow forms that seem to have a life of their own. And this is something that, uh, you know, picked up a lot of steam in, in the uh, past several years with the introduction of all the ghost hunting shows. You know, you occasionally see these these guys go out and talk about shadow people and you know, haunted locations that are are plagued by shadow men and so forth. And they're always presented as these sort of dark, sinister figures that are you know coming in to cause misery in people's lives. And I receive a lot of accounts of these things. They're they're pretty much falling in the same category. You know, someone will begin to see the manifestation of this shadow being in their room. And it's it's very intriguing in that part of the time it seems to border on, on stories similar to the whole night hag uh, lore. You know, these beings that come in just as someone is, is falling asleep. Uh, there's sometimes sleep paralysis is involved. And you really have to wonder what psychologically is going on with people that are experiencing these things. Because... You know, they're convinced that they've had a real physical experience. Uh, there aren't that many cases where multiple people are seeing these things at the same time, which, you know, certainly leads to believe that there's something going on within the specific people that are having the experience. Uh, there are some cases where a shadow being is, is, you know, seen multiple times by different people. Uh, some haunted locations like uh, Waverly Hills. Uh, you know, that has a famous shadow figure that shows up in it. A lot of people have purportedly experienced it and, and caught photographs of it and so forth. Parenthetically, David, have you noticed how these days images of cultural influences, strange events, fairy tale type phenomenon have become infused in our society? So we have hit TV shows like Once Upon a Time which takes off your fairy tale characters and gives them kind of a realistic aspect to them. We have also, what's it, Once Upon a Time in Wonderland, which is Alice in Wonderland. We have Sleepy Hollow, where Ichabod Crane and the Headless Horseman are transported through time, and we get all sorts of shadowy creatures running around. Mm -hmm. And we're getting all this in our society. Is it just a trend? This is what sells in TV these days, or is there something more? You know, I think that there are uh, two answers to that. One is that, yeah, it, it is, uh, it's definitely a trend, but, you know, which, which came first? Because it's also a trend because so many people are interested in the paranormal. And, you know, an interesting thing happened in the course of all of this uh, television, you know, reality uh, entertainment and its development. And that's that the paranormal went from being a, a virtually taboo subject 
to being part of pop culture. And in the midst of that evolution, we've had people, you know, go from being uh, absolutely tight-lipped and, and refusing to talk about their weird experiences to being more than happy to discuss every little, you know, odd bump and, and noise that they've heard in the night. So, you know, I always joke that after being in this field for so long that, uh, you know, when I started, it was really difficult to get people to interact and relate their, you know, accounts and their experiences to me. You, you had to work at it. Yeah, and, it's becoming uh, more mainstream. It, it's very mainstream. And, I, you know, my joke is that when I started in this field, if I walked in a party and, and said I was a paranormal investigator, I was guaranteed to have a nice quiet evening by myself the rest of the night because <laughs> everyone was like, yeah, you know, that guy is really weird. Stay away from him. But now I can walk into a party. And, and if I say that, man, the reaction is the opposite. They're lined up at, out the door because everyone's got a story that they right. want to relate to me, you know, and then some of well, them. Are, Dave, you know, David, what do you equate that to? Do you think that there's we're seeing a, a dichotomy, a sort of a ivory tower sort of stovepipe scientific uh, knowledge is going so far beyond the 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 comprehension of most people that people are starting to kind of have a knee-jerk reaction the opposite direction towards superstition interpretation folklorish interpretations of of things that they don't understand you you think that this modern era might be uh the cause of that you know chris i think that's part of it i, I mean we've got a variety of things that have contributed uh, one is the, the television shows we're talking about it's made it so much a part of the mainstream that people are now comfortable saying oh yeah you know i i saw you know the ghost of Aunt Matilda or whatever. So people are you know, more than willing to share those experiences. We also have a lot of people that are really anxious to believe that these things, you know, are happening and, and that they've had some kind of experience that is unexplainable or, or is paranormal. So, you know, you, you will get these stories where, you know, they're, oh, you know, I'm sleeping in it. I got up the next morning, my coffee cup was moved. And I, I know it's my, you know, the ghost of my dad, because only he would move that coffee cup. And, you know, so you get some silliness like that, but it's, it's people that are really reaching for something to believe in. And uh, like you're saying, Chris, there, there's a certain degree of people reverting back to a more primal set of beliefs. Uh, but my God, you know, we've got science now that is saying that they, they're not sure how to explain things or how to reach further. And, and these quantum sciences, you know, they're trying to find the God particle and things like this. So, you know, it's, it's, it's as if the rubber band is getting stretched very far and people are just reaching in multiple directions at the same time because they need something more and something that, that resonates at a deeper, you know, almost spiritual level. Does that also possibly explain this anti-science attitude on the part of some people it may be because of their political or religious persuasion but it doesn't matter what you say the earth is six thousand years old it doesn't matter that we have the prehistoric artifacts you know we should be teaching creationism in schools so whatever science has more or less accepted has settled over the years now you have people saying no that's not so let's go back to what we believed 100, 200, 500 years ago, and maybe then we should also have, I know, flat Earth theories, that the Earth <laughs> is really flat, it's not really round, the Earth is the center of the universe, and that's it, we're the chosen people. 
So we should live back in, what, the 15th century. But that's a belief system. I think part of it is that maybe science has failed people because people are overwhelmed with the disclosure of the day, so they want to go back to something simpler. We'll find out more with David Weatherly. And Gene and Chris, you're in the Paracast. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It just stopped responding. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Check it out. iWeb.com. That's iWeb.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Hi, this is Gary Cooper with Midas Resources, Gold and Silver. Government shutdown, inept politicians, entitlements, looming Obamacare. The death of the U.S. dollar as a global reserve currency is what nobody wants to acknowledge. We have a debt bubble that cannot be paid and will eventually crash the dollar. If you're concerned about keeping your money, why not consider storing your wealth in gold and silver? Call me, Gary Cooper, at 1-800-686-2237, extension 130. Together, we'll discuss your options of buying gold and silver. Again, the global elite have plans for your money, and it doesn't include you. So call me, Gary Cooper, at 1-800-686-2237, extension 130, and we'll discuss your options of buying precious metals. Also, I can send you information on how you can roll over your IRA or 401k into a precious metal IRA. Again, don't get caught with money in your account when the dollar crashes. Call me, Gary Cooper, at 1-800-686-2237. Three seven extent to one thirty. The fall season is here. Falling downstairs, bad. Fallback pricing, good. Don't fall down the stairs. Go to freezedryguy.com. Vote for special fallback pricing on delicious freeze-dried foods and dehydrated foods. Vote early. Vote often through October tenth. Tell us which product to put on sale. Then, beginning October 11th, Fallback Friday, the price of the product with the most votes will be on sale with special fallback pricing. Missing out on a sale on emergency preparedness food, camping food, or backpacking food? Bad. Storing delicious freeze-dried entrees, fruits, vegetables, and desserts? Good. Go to freezedryguy.com. Vote now through October 10th for fallback pricing. Voting for politicians who expose themselves? Bad. Voting for fallback pricing at freezedryguy.com. Good. Go to freezedryguy.com. Every time you eat a cooked food, your body responds by producing an increase in circulating white blood cells. This happens because nature designed us to eat food that is undamaged at the molecular level. 
When we heat food to normal cooking temperatures, we change the shape of the molecules into shapes the body cannot use. The body now looks at them as toxins and allergens. In an effort to protect itself from this irritant, the body intelligently increases the amount of circulating white blood cells to act as garbage collectors. The white blood cells gobble up all the unusable damaged food particles to neutralize their cell-damaging properties. This puts stress on your organs of elimination, and your body is subject to cell damage and inflammation. If you'd like to start experiencing the benefits of undamaged protein in your diet, give One World Way a try. It is a truly undamaged protein powder that will thrill your tastes and every cell of your body. Call 888-988-3325. That's 888-988-3325. Or visit OneWorldWHEY.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. So I brought this up because Popular Science Magazine recently, with their online forums, they blocked comments to scientific articles. They turned off the comments machine. You know, like you go to to a blog or something, there's always a comments panel. Or like we have forums over at forum.theparacast.com. And they did that because a small subset of people were just getting in there and starting flame wars over things that we pretty much accept in science, complaining about everything, the so-called anti-science crowd. So David Weatherly, as our society grows, do we find people seeking the simpler life when we didn't have all this, and does that explain the anti-science attitude we see? I think that's a portion of it. I mean, you have to consider, too, that the rapid development in technology it really has overwhelmed people. My gosh, I, you know, for people like us that uh, you know went from <laughs> little black and white televisions and, and you know color was a big deal and you know, now you can walk around with a little handheld device and watch, you know, television from Asia in, in your hand if you want to. The, the rate at which technology has uh, grown, and it really has overwhelmed a lot of people. I think that, you know, we have a lot of people now that are reaching for something that is just more, gosh, earthy, I guess, for lack of a better word, something that feels more tangible that they can uh, place their faith and belief in. And as a result, we have a lot of people turning back to, you know, different expressions of, of religions and spiritual traditions that sort of strip away all of these modern concepts. And, and science certainly uh, is at the top of the list when they start pushing those things away and rejecting them. Some of it's political at times, uh, but, you know, other times people are just connecting all of these various threads into uh, their religious concepts. You know, how, how many things do we hear now on a regular basis that... Uh, you know, must be evidence of the mark of the beast. And these are people that really are also looking for something that is transformative because with the conditions in the world right now, particularly in the West with the, you know, the crushing economy and all these different things, I think a lot of people want an escape. They want something that is going to provide uh, relief from these things that they just have no control over within their lives. So as a result, they turn back to, you know, more uh, spiritual and sometimes, you know, you might want to term it superstitious beliefs, but if it works for them and it brings some kind of balance in their lives, well, you know, who are we to say that's wrong? 
going to the theory that our scientific and technological development has gone beyond our spiritual development and we got to get things into balance again. Right, exactly. I'm going to uh, take this a step further and um, and pose the question, do you think that this, this cultural kind of pulling back towards more um, basic sort of human superstitions and, and explanations uh, to attempt to explain these mysteries that are that are not considered scientific in nature, do you think that we could actually see manifestation of new types of phenomenal creatures, events, uh, similar to the black-eyed children. Now, this is a fairly recent, correct me if I'm wrong, but this is a fairly recent interpretation, and these encounters, I think, are, are fairly recent. And we have a question from one of our forum posters, Jeff Davis, and he, he brings up an interesting point. He said, when I first started reading of the black-eyed children via Jason Offit or Lon Strickler yourself, is where he thinks he first read about a, quote, single individual camping trip, Black Eyed Children report. And the same person that reported the incident stated later that it was a self-admitted hoax from someone that liked to fool people over with his campfire stories. And they seem to think that this originated on uh, above top secret or some other form of that nature. So his question is, how have you substantially overcome this aspect of the Black Eyed Children saga to the effect where you felt it merited further investigation? Was this a hoax, as the man who wrote the article stated? Or was that itself some sort of type of false communication? And I would add, or are we seeing the emergence of a new uh, type of paranormal phenomenon? Wow, a lot of questions within that. <laughs> Let me see. Uh, That's about two I shows can... right there, so we can yeah, take it, our time. Well, it's very sure basic. <laughs> uh, could this have started out as a hoax and now has a life of its own? It, I don't think so. The reason I don't think so is because... Going back to um, what I was talking about earlier in the show, what I do believe is that we're seeing a modern manifestation of something that we've seen before. And it just so happens that it has taken the form of these, you know, strange kids with the solid black eyes that are showing up at people's homes. A lot of people tend towards uh, the idea that this is a modern urban legend, but it, it really, you know, I found evidence that says that it's not. I'm not familiar with the story that he references about a camping trip. I, I'm, I'm not sure. Maybe that was one of Jason's accounts that he collected um, or lawns, but, you know, the earliest account that usually is, is credited with starting the sort of modern wave of these things is the Brian Bethel account. Now, that showed up on the Internet in 1998, and uh, Bethel was a, a journalist in Texas who went out one evening to, to write a check and drop it in a drop box at a shopping mall. And uh, as he's sitting in his car writing his check, these two kids approached his car. And he was kind of nervous initially and, and, you know, only rolled his window down just a little bit and asked them what they wanted. And this interaction was just odd. You know, they were asking him or a ride to their home so they could get money to see a movie. And Bethel had the consciousness to look over the marquee and see that the movie they wanted to see was, you know, more than half over. So nothing was making sense about this interaction. And during the course of it, they made eye contact with him, and he realized, oh, my God, these kids have solid black eyes. This is, you know, too much. It, it sort of pushed him over the edge, and the flight response kicked in. So he, he pulled away, and when he glances back, these kids have vanished. There's just nowhere to be seen. And that sort of is typical of a lot of these accounts that have come along, you know, people experiencing these kids, and, and they seem to vanish you know, almost in the blink of an eye. 
they always try to elicit a, an invitation inside or, or in your vehicle or whatever it is. So, you know, Bethel's account in 98 um, initially caused a few other responses to be posted on the net. You know, people put out similar accounts that they had encountered these black-eyed beings. And then we sort of see different waves of it come along uh, periodically. I got interested in it because I started meeting people who had physically encountered these things. And I was intrigued by the idea because when you start looking at the accounts, you'll find that these things have uh, traits in common with a wide range of paranormal phenomena. You know, when I wrote the book, I didn't try to convince anyone that any particular theory was correct. I just put all the accounts out there and the evidence and said, you know, here it is, judge for yourself. You can correlate these things with alien hybrids. You can correlate them with with manifestations of demons and a whole wide range of things. So we may be seeing something that, again, is is part of the human subconscious that people are, are, you know, perceiving some type of entity. You know, Rosemary thinks these things are, are a manifestation of the djinn. So, you know, we may be seeing people perceive these things as this new meme of the black-eyed children. But once again, if you go back historically, you'll find various accounts of black-eyed beings. Okay, we've got David Weatherly joining us. So much more to talk about. Weird creatures, black-eyed children, and so much more. And answering your questions, listeners, with Gene and Chris, you're in The Barracast. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com An e-cig revolution is sweeping across the country. But is yours American-made? Vapriate e-liquid by LaSig is. Manufactured in Arkansas with 100% USA-sourced ingredients. And when you buy American, you support local jobs. Vapriate e-liquid by LaSig is top quality at an affordable price. The very principle that once drove the American economy. Get great taste with no ash, tar, or smoke. You'll be wondering why you didn't make the change to Vapriate e-liquid by LaSig a long time ago. LaSig.com has everything you need for beginners to the advanced vaping enthusiast with a wide variety of hardware and also imported e-liquid flavors as well. Plus, LaSig smokes the competition with fast, free, same-day shipping, real people customer service, and a 30-day satisfaction guarantee. Support our country and become a vapriate at LaSig.com or call 870-525-1440, 870-525-1440. LaSig e-cigarettes for today's modern smoker. 
There is only one detox product that stands out above the rest. Micro Plant Powder. And it's available only at HempUSA.org. Micro Plant Powder does wonders by removing toxins from the body. Detoxification is a vital process that's extremely important for restoring your health. Micro Plant Powder is available in eight different formulations. And we can help you choose the one that's perfect for your lifestyle. Micro Plant Powder is 100% chemical free, non-GMO, anti-inflammatory, gluten-free, and packaged by hand in BPA-free containers. HempUSA.org wants you to be healthy. And Micro Plant Powder is one of the best ways we know to detoxify your body from head to toe. All for about $10 a month. Take back your life and enjoy living again with Micro Plant Powder. Call 888-910-4367. That's 888-910-4367. Micro Plant Powder. Available only at HempUSA.org. For years, you've been hearing about Herbal Healer Academy and how it's remained the leader in effective, alternative, and natural medicine and education. But how can they continue to hold that title for years on end? The answer is high quality and huge selection. Just visit HerbalHealer.com and shop online or request a free catalog. You're bound to find the alternative you're looking for. Did you know that Herbal Healer carries the latest, safest, and effective weight loss products? You can also count on Herbal Healer for the largest selection of safe and natural supplements just for children. And don't forget your pets. Herbal Healer even has natural mineral supplements for all your animals, including horses, cows, and birds. Take a peek at their online calendar, and you're sure to find everything you need and maybe something you didn't realize you needed. Visit HerbalHealer.com and don't forget to sign up for the free Herbal Healer newsletter. HerbalHealer.com, working with the power of nature. Hello, this is Rosemary Ellen Guiley and you're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. Chris is trying to get on his best gin, black-eyed children kind of voice. <laughs> what is a black-eyed children as opposed to a black-eyed pea? What does a black-eyed children sound like? Black-eyed children. <laughs> Sounds like you're trying to channel Yoda and, and give him a sore throat. Well, Ladies and gentlemen, that's Yoda was a, was a sore throat. <laughs> this brings up another question by uh, Wade Ridsdale. And he... he questions the original uh, Brian Bethel account that kind of took off on the internet. And he wonders uh, out loud here on forum.theparacast.com that, you know, he wonders has the internet and by extension, the sharing of social media muddied the waters to a large extent when it comes to, to attempting to get to the bottom of some of these accounts. The short answer is absolutely. And, you know, the internet also, I think contributes to, the sort of co-creation and manifestation of some of these things. A a perfect example is is the Slender Man. I don't know how much you guys know about that, but I also cover that in the new book. You know what, why don't you take a moment here and talk about Slender Man? Yeah, Wade was asking about Slender Man, too, the first part of his question. Yeah, sure. And let me uh, back up, because right before the break, I wanted to to throw in this this black-eyed bean thing. You know, they have discovered a statue in uh, Gobekli Tepe in Turkey uh, that they call the Urfa Man. 
And I encourage you to go on and Google an image of this thing if you've never seen it before. It, it's a humanoid figure. They made the eyes out of black obsidian. So this is, you know, a being, a, thousands, a statue that's thousands of years old that depicts a black-eyed being. So once again, I think this is something that is, is passed down and gets reinterpreted by, um, you know, through the, the contemporary lens in different periods of history. So jumping over away from that and, and into Slender Man, Slender Man, wow, this, this is a weird topic. First of all, uh, Slender Man is an Internet creation, literally. Uh, what happened was there was a forum called Something Awful, and someone posted this contest idea on the Something Awful forum, and their idea was, uh, hey, I always like to make you know, paranormal-themed uh, photographs and, and different things and, and post them uh, for people to to look at and, and, you know, promote them. And he said, you know what, let's have a contest and create something original that has a paranormal theme and make it go viral on the Internet to convince people that it's real. So when the contest started, you know, various people were posting, you know, Photoshopped cryptids and you know, UFOs, all types of things. Well, along comes this guy who posts um, a very subtle series of images and, and concepts. And the idea was that there was this being called the Slender Man. Now, he's depicted as a human figure that's very tall, incredibly thin, usually in a dark suit. He has virtually no face that is discernible. And these incredibly long arms. And uh, sometimes he's depicted with multiple arms. And he started being tied to disappearances. Uh, he was tied to a strange fire that occurred at a, a school. The subtlety of this thing, I think, is what really empowered it. You know, it became a sort of modern Internet interpretation of the boogeyman, you know, the creature that looks in the closet waiting to snatch children. And it caught people's attention so much that the entire thread on the forum became just devoted to the Slender Man. And as this thing developed further, other people added to the mythos. Uh, you know, people started posting, someone posted a series of uh, block prints, you know, from uh, woodcuts that depicted medieval scenes of this weird multi-armed figure. They said, oh, here's the Slender Man has been around since, you know, the medieval period in, in Germany. Uh, you know, here he is in the 1940s. So people started adding all of this historical context to this image and to this, this concept. Uh, then along came a video series called Marble Hornets. Marble Hornets was uh, sort of the, was in the style of, uh, you know, like the found footage Blair Witch type of thing. And it was this storyline that revolved around a, a student film being made. And the film suddenly gets stopped. You know, it's, the production stops and the, the director acts very bizarre. And the person who's doing Marble Hornets has this interaction with him and, and finds out there's this weird figure that the director's terrified of. And that guy eventually disappears. So, you know, we get all these threads contributing to really the whole mythology of the Slender Man. But then some very curious things started happening because people started reporting Slender Man encounters independently of this whole thread. In fact, Coast to Coast AM one night received this frantic call from someone who had 
had this bizarre encounter with the Slender Man. And periodically, they've had other listeners call in and say, you know, I, I've experienced the Slender Man. So, you know, it, it's, it's very fascinating to look at the history of this thing because we have an incredibly clear timeline of the creation of this being. Yet, on the other hand, we have people who are adamantly convinced that they have physically encountered this thing. So it's it's a really bizarre interaction between a developing internet mythos and you know some kind of uh, again some subconscious fear or image that people have. Right, renaming the boogeyman. Well, the same thing is kind of occurring with the uh, the Northampton clown. Oh uh, yes, <laughs> perhaps we're going to be seeing these these sinister clowns appearing uh, around, uh, scaring little kids and moms and grandmas and stuff, and uh, and then setting up websites well there's already a website for the northampton clown i point exactly <laughs> so yeah it's a really uh it's a very curious thing you know people are again tying these things into uh, you know other types of manifestations uh there's a gentleman named robert uh robin swoop who wrote a, a whole book on the slender man and he draws a lot of correlations between the slender slender man mythos and uh, encounters with the gray aliens you know these these sort of lanky figures with long arms that you know cause paralysis and so forth so again we may be seeing some type of, of modern uh, reinterpretation of uh, a classical image or you know energy that exists around us and you know to get back to that original question yeah the internet is um you know again it's like all the the glut of paranormal shows it's, it's a blessing and a curse at the same time because you know you can tap a few words in Google and just get a wide range of leads for research and so forth. But then, my God, the, the amount of stuff that's posted on there, uh, you know, on the net in general, is just overwhelming at the same time. And, and obviously, a lot of it is just uh, virtually impossible to, to chase down or follow up on. And, you know, it, within the paranormal field, it, it's led to, you know, countless reports that are, anonymous and you know the location's not even existed and, and it might sound intriguing but if you have no way to really pursue it or follow up on it then it's, it's very difficult to test the veracity of it in any way but that also goes to setting you to wondering there are these things just created by people having fun at our expense or is there some reality behind this that maybe someone out there is generating these images for a more sinister or higher purpose yeah, that's a great question, and and it's a kind, maybe know, a wacky question, but you get my point. Yeah, I, I get your point. I mean, for me personally, you know, when I research these things, I, I try my best to you know actually sit down and, and interview the people, and you know, multiple times, and really get a sense of you know where they're coming from and, and what they're doing. I think you know once you're once you're sort of a seasoned investigator, and I, I'm sure Chris has had this experience too. It's it becomes a lot easier at a base level to know what the motivation is that someone has for presenting their account. You know, and there's a lot of red flags that easily come up within, yeah. uh, you know, mm-hmm. this spectrum of things. I mean, one, a great example of that is, you know, a lot of times if I get called about a, a location that's haunted or, you know, purported apparitions. We have David Weatherly joining us with Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast.
The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's The Coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Find out more at rockoids.com. That's rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It just stopped responding. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Check it out. iWeb.com. That's iWeb.com. You are now in the crosshairs. The NSA and the FBI are treating you like a criminal and monitoring your every move. Ron Paul said recently, The evidence of the totalitarian nature of this government is on display undeniably every day. What's taking place right now is a coup and the destruction of the Constitution. Fortunately, there is something you can do about it. Learn how to be invisible, lock down your privacy, and even disappear forever. Go to privacylockdown.com to learn how. That's privacylockdown.com. You know about RVs, you've heard about bunkers, but surviving is not recreation, and man wasn't made to live underground. Introducing Survivalist Camps, the ultimate fully functional off-the-grid survival bug-out house that's mobile, well-equipped, and custom-built to outlast any other RV or trailer. Go to survivalistcamps.com to learn more. That's survivalistcamps.com, providing your basic needs to survive. Survivalistcamps.com. American gardeners and fellow patriots make the right choice with your money, time, and your family food supply. Choose 100% pure heirloom seeds in the Survival Seed Vault from MyPatriotSupply.com. Why spend more? The Survival Seed Vault from MyPatriotSupply.com is only $37.95 and includes 20 varieties of pure, hardy, easy-to-grow heirloom seeds. Yes, only $37.95. That's 70% less than our competitors. You could buy three Survival Seed Vaults for less than one of theirs. The Survival Seed Vault from MyPatriotSupply.com includes detailed planting and seed saving instructions and ship same day plus all orders over $49 ship free mypatriotsupply.com is american owned by patriots like you passionate about freedom and preparedness call now 866-229-0927 that's 866-229-0927 or discover more emergency preparedness items when you order at mypatriotsupply.com choose the original choose the survival seed vault at mypatriotsupply.com My name is Kay Swirling, and I am in the early part of my 10th decade. I want to discuss the issue of pharmaceuticals versus minerals and vitamin supplements. I remember a discussion between my mother and me. It was at that time that canned vegetables and fruits were introduced into the U.S. market. It was some time before my mother and others felt comfortable with food in cans. That was also the time when drugstores offered for sale cough syrup and aspirins and not much else. 
Yes, let's fast forward to this decade, the here and now. Simple drugstores are large corporations with the message that they are the ones who have the power to cure human ills. Meanwhile, the battle continues with minerals and vitamins being the answer to human ills. Who will win the battle? I believe and hope it will be the belief in the power of vitamins and minerals over that of the toxic chemicals in prescription drugs. What do you think? This is Jerome Clark, author of the UFO Encyclopedia and other books. You're listening to the Paracast. So David Weatherly gets called up about possible hauntings, but is it something more? David Weatherly is author of a book called Strange Intruders. His most recent title, joining Gene and Chris in the Paracast. You want to pick up further on that question, David? Sure. You know, as far as uh, red flags, when you sit down and, and start examining a case, the the popularity of the ghost hunting shows, for instance, I, I find that a lot of the times, if it's a, a situation that uh, is either not on the up and up or it's, it's you know, um, really stretched to the point that, okay, you heard a couple of noises. Why are you convinced that this is, you know, the ghost of someone? Uh, a lot of times these people, you know, within a short time uh, into the conversation, the question will inevitably rise. Do you, do you think this would get on uh, ghost adventures? Do you, do you think those guys would come and investigate? Uh, could, could we get taps in here? <laughs> and you, you get these situations, you know, where um, it is people, they really are just looking for their 15 minutes of fame. They're thinking, hey, this is a, a great way to help this along and help it happen. I, I have a friend of mine who actually has a, a ghost hunting team, and about uh, you know once every two or three months, he'll get called in, and, and his team will go in, and when they show up at the, the purported haunted location, there'll be a party going on. And, and it's, you know, the housewife has invited all her friends over to watch the ghost hunters, you know, walk around the house and collect evidence. And, <laughs> you know, this is usually people that are, are just, uh, they're, they're looking for attention. They're, they're looking for their, you know, their moment in the spotlight and so forth. You know, I still find for the most part that a lot of the, the most intriguing cases are the ones you really have to dig for. You know, you have to get out into the communities and, and interact with people and, and talk and, and sort of, uh, dig for the the really good juicy stuff yeah the best ones are the ones that you hear about from relatives neighbors who say this person you're the last person they would ever contact but i think you should know about this and somehow get this story from this person and then you start digging you start working on them i've worked years literally to get people to fess up on really sensationally sounding cases that uh, deserve attention well, yeah, the this, this same with me. And, you know, it's uh, it's sort of second nature to me because, you know, when again, when I started in the field, you just didn't walk up to someone and say, hey, has anybody around here seen a UFO? You know, they, they would uh, they would have you locked up or ignore you. But, uh, you know, you had to find a way to relate to the community and to the area that you were investigating in. And, and you know, like you're saying, Chris, you know, you hear from relatives or friends of friends and, and, you know, you just follow those breadcrumbs until you get to the real core of something to find out, you know, exactly what transpired, exactly what's going on. And, and you know, sometimes my, it's a dead end and sometimes it's a, it's a real, you know, payoff. My, my favorite technique is to, uh, to call them up cold and say, Hey, I'm, uh, 
you know, Christopher O'Brien, I don't know if you've heard of me, but I've, you know, been investigating some pretty strange things around, uh, you know, in this case, the San Luis Valley. And so-and-so mentioned that I should give you a call and, and introduce myself. So, you know, I figured I'd uh, give you a call. Good talking to you. And then I, I'll hang up and then I'll call back and, and say, hey, it's Chris again. You know, how, you know, I hear your son's basketball team's doing really good or. You know, what What do you think of the price of hay? And I'll hang up. <laughs> and I'll do this every, you know, every month or two. I'll call up and finally they just, they, you know, they just break down. You never ask them what you want to know about. And invariably, at some point, they will break down. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, you go into some of these uh, little, you know, smaller communities and towns. Uh, these people just aren't going to automatically open up and start talking to a complete stranger. You have to build some kind of, uh, you know, connection and rapport with them, you know, whether it's on a casual basis or, or whether, you know, like you're talking about to, to slightly, uh, you know, unsettle them just on a subtle level and, and, you know, get them used to the idea of communicating with you. It, it works. And like you, uh, like you pointed out, it's where the good stuff really comes in. Well, especially if you're local and, and they can call you because they know that you're, you're a local phone call away. We have some other questions. Uh, here's one from a first-time poster at forum.theparacast.com. He calls himself Techno Mag, Mag. I think it's Magnet. I'm not sure. You know, and this is a question that I also have. Why do you believe the number of incidents of black-eyed children are increasing? And do you know of any other paranormal phenomena or phenomenon that is increasing at the same rate? Sure. Well, the gin, uh, you know, the the number of accounts uh, related to that is, has grown at a pretty rapid pace. The black-eyed children and, and black-eyed adult encounters have really taken off in the last, uh, oh, probably the last five years. Now, a lot of those accounts that are surfacing, they're actually not recent. You know, I, I get these things almost on a daily basis, and I know several other investigators that track them too, they get accounts on a daily basis and they're, they're hearing different ones than what I do. So there really are a large number of these things surfacing. A percentage of them are always, uh, Hey, you know, I, I just, uh, heard you on a podcast and, you know, I experienced something like that, you know, eight years ago, uh, you know, five years ago, 10 years ago. So it's, um, it's partially that people are sudden, suddenly, identifying what they experienced within the context of these uh, more contemporary encounters. I think that, uh, once again, we have to credit the Internet. You know, the the rate at which anything related to the paranormal spreads like wildfire, you know, through all the social media and, and so forth, I think reaches just a, a lot of people. And we also have to attribute it, once again, to the way that all of these topics have become so mainstream you know any given night you can turn on on the television and find a show that deals with some kind of weird phenomenon so you know people are um, there's there's more and more people watching and and listening and and you know relating their own experiences good point and uh i i think that the more people get comfortable with discussing these types of things it, it is going to have the effect of flushing personal experiences out i think and we're seeing we're seeing more of a cultural acceptance of these subjects and i think that that is allowing people the you know the the comfortability factor for lack of a better term to actually come forward to people like yourself and other investigators here's one here's a question from polterwurst who's one of our 
uh, just past the 500 post mark at forum.theparacast.com. Of course, we have to think whether we should get him some kind of trophy. <laughs> we have people who posted over a thousand messages or even four or five thousand. True. Well, Polterworth has been around for about a year and a half, and he's uh, he's very active. Uh, he doesn't post as often as some people, but I pay attention when he does post. He has a couple of questions here, and he's a little bit, I, I think, um, he's a little, what would the word be? He's not sure if, if a lot of these modern sort of, in, as in vogue, as he puts it, uh, paranormal, paranormal phenomena, are um, real legitimate. Like he says, the Jinn, Slender Man, and Black-Eyed Children. He says these are more modern sort of urban myth type, uh, you know, manifestations of the of the unexplained. Uh, but he says that uh, because of his own experiences, he does think something like disincarnate consciousness is quite possible. And he wonders, could it be that this is what is at the root of these mythologies? Oh, sure. A- absolutely. And, you know, I, I would um, I would jump in and, and add in that, you know, the, the Slender Man, yes, is very modern, but, you know, there's certainly a lot of historical basis for the djinn and, uh, you know, even Black Eyed Beans as we explore that more. But, you know, his idea that this is, you know, due to some kind of uh, discarnate energy, it, it's certainly possible Um but, you know, it, it also sort of plays in, for instance, with the mythology of the jinn, that these are some type of entities or consciousness that are able to assume a wide range of forms. So, you know, if something is in an energetic form trying to get to you, it's probably going to utilize whatever works within your cultural concepts to, you know, trigger fear or response or whatever it's trying to initiate. And, you know, taking off on that a little bit, we also have to start to question where is the line that we start to co-create these experiences with our own energy and our own right. you know, mental attention. We, we start to get into the range of the tulpa, uh, which is actually the, the topic of the book I'm working on now. And, you know, we have to begin to question, okay, what, you know, how are we creating this experience is it coming from completely within us or are we interacting with some type of energetic uh, consciousness well he he also has a follow-up question which i think is a good one and it kind of sort of hits at where where we're discussing here we'll have a follow-up question in our next segment we have david weatherly he's written books about the black-eyed children and about the strange intruders and a lot more and we have plenty more to talk about with gene and chris you're in the Paracast. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner, and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. 
We the people grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit and carding to a private bank, having it led back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Ted Anderson, I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. How can I stop these annoying collection calls? Imagine being free from your debt without settling and with no payment plan, no negotiating or filing bankruptcy, and no attorneys. What if you could eliminate the risk from all your unsecured debt in about 90 days and keep all your money? You can. It's called Zero Debt Guarantee, and it works. There's no other program of its kind on the planet, and we guarantee the results in writing. Call now, 800-477-9256. Let our team of experts provide you with the resources to fight back, stop collection calls, and prevent and stop wage garnishments and bank levies. If you're facing foreclosure, we can help. Don't go it alone. Get free information now by calling 800-477-9256. Talk to an expert who has also completed our program. Call 800-477-9256 for free info or go to ZeroDebtGuarantee.com. That's 800-477-9256 or go to ZeroDebtGuarantee.com. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. We have Christopher Jin O'Brien <laughs> joining us on the show here. In place of the usual Christopher O'Brien, I think he's been possessed. Well, I'm just trying to come up with new and different ways. I mean, this is the kind of show that I'm going to do uh, a bunch of different kinds of bumpers. Okay, well, before we get bumped off, David Weatherly joins us. Chris was going to ask a follow-up question from one of our listeners. Chris? The original question was from one of our more skeptical uh, posters at forum.theparacast.com. And a follow-up question that he had is, what might be the ratio of pure storytelling or confabulation to real phenomena? And I might add, misinterpretation of some natural explainable thing you know it's really hard to put a percentage on that i mean you'd have to look at any individual case or account i think to start to delve into that and there's certainly a percentage of it i i tend more towards um what you added in chris you know mistaken identity or mistaken perception of uh particular events Uh, the skeptics would have us believe that they're literally you know thousands upon thousands of people running around spending their time trying to, you know, uh, perpetrate a hoax on, on paranormal investigators. And I, I just don't think it's that dominant in the field. There, it, there certainly is a percentage of that, but, you know, it, it's not to the extremes that some people would have us believe. I, I think that also the quality of the investigator and, uh, the, and the amount of um, publicity that they generate tends to attract more um, cases that are questionable if their thinking is muddy or their or their conclusions are sensational. I think those types of investigators tend to attract those kinds of cases that are equivocal and, and you know, sensational sounding. I think the more serious investigators who don't go around trying to create a cult of personality and, and, and tend to be open-minded but skeptical 
they tend to attract the better quality cases. I don't know if you've noticed that, but I sure have. Uh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. And, you know, there's there's so many people in this field. Uh, let's, let's face it. You know, the shows have led to this concept that anybody can go out and, and buy a camera and a digital recorder and, and you know, get team T-shirts printed and, and they're, you know, expert ghost hunters. <laughs> if Jason and, the plumber can do it, so can you know, I. Well, yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, it's, it's led to some pretty um, infuriating situations, I, I think. And there, there are even worse expressions of that. Um, you know, I was talking to someone just recently about this, uh, this quote, case that I, I dealt with. I got a call from a woman who was, you know, referred to me by someone. And this woman called me because she was completely distraught. She said, I, my house is infested by demons. <laughs> and I thought, oh, boy, you know, here we go. And, and as I started to talk with this woman, she was very genuine. Uh, she was just in, in a terrible emotional state. She was living in a home. She had children. And I said, why, you know, why do you believe this? Well, the paranormal team came in. I thought, okay, here we go. So this paranormal team came in and investigated because she thought, you know, it was an old house and there were a couple of strange things that had happened. So they came in and they did their investigation and they ended up showing her, you know, uh, the quote evidence and terrified this woman. They said, yo, your house is, is, you know, demonically infested. And here, here's the evidence. We've got this EVP recording, you know, you hear this noise and they played this noise for her. And, and I listened to the recording. And uh, she said, oh, this noise is, this is the demons scratching at the portal, you know, trying to get in. And uh, here's the other evidence in, in your child's room. If you look closely at the wall, you'll see the number 666 has started to manifest on the wall in, in red. So, you know, a couple of conversations with this woman, and I, I went to the house, and I, I started looking around, and I didn't go in there looking for demons. I went in there to see, okay, what is being experienced? What's the evidence showing? What's really happening here? This woman's emotional reaction side and so forth. So the long and short of it is, is that, you know, I, I went in her child's bedroom and I saw this uh, quote 666 on the wall. And I looked a bit more closely and I said, you know, would you mind if I took cleaner and started removing some of this paint? And she was fine with that. So <laughs> it turned out that the landlord she was renting the place from had basically done a cheap you know, whitewash job on the walls. And once I started clearing this section of wall, the 666 was nothing more than uh, a long series of scrawls with a crayon that the previous child had put on the wall, <laughs> along with a lot of other... A marks, demonic you know, black-eyed child, I'm sure. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, drawings of other, you know, uh, little animals and things like this were all over the wall. It was a kid's bedroom, and he had drawn all over the walls. And, you know, as far as the, the quote, scratching at the portals, once we got a, a <laughs> exterminator in, it turned out to be nothing more than a, a couple of rats that were trying to nest in the wall behind the, you know, the plaster. So the point is, is that, you know, people, you know, went in with a particular agenda. They wanted a cool demonic case that they could go post on their website. You know, it's all well and good for them, it, it, but it, it's it's putting something out there that really hasn't been genuinely investigated or researched. And worse, it's terrifying this poor woman who they just completely abandoned after they convinced her that she right. had a demonic yeah. infestation. So there are a lot of those types of cases that are happening. And, you know, it's all about the agenda, I think, that people approach these things with. You know, it's like you're saying, Chris, any, anybody can throw a story up on the net and say, oh, I shot a Bigfoot. 
I know, have an I, alien in my freezer. Right, an alien in my, you know, I, I bear, but I didn't bring the body back. I, you know, I buried it in the in the woods and so forth. So, uh, you know, it's it doesn't. Um, I'm not sure where I was going with that, but you know, the point is, is that it's, uh, you know, it's it's about the agenda that someone approaches these things with. I I try to take a journalistic approach and just present the evidence, and you know, after I've verified it to the best of my ability and then put it out there and say, let's look at the the threads that connect these things. You know, and it's it's almost more important to me to look at uh, this whole concept that my God, we do we have so many of these cases that are showing up what's behind this you know why is this happening you know with any given phenomena even after you pitch out the you know the hoaxes and and the mistaken identity if you still have a big core of cases yeah absolutely. you have to start questioning exactly what's going on here i mean it's like you know it's like your area cattle mutilations you know i'm sure that a portion of those can be attributed to to predators you know a portion to other things but you know there are enough unexplained circumstances and cases that it warrants a closer look. Well, and there are cases that have warranted a closer look. A closer look scientifically has been applied, and very definitive results have been produced from scientific testing, which the skeptics and the debunkers and people who want to believe in more exotic theories about what's behind the phenomenon, they fail to bring these cases up. And and that, sure. that leads us to another question, actually. Uh, I'm glad that you brought that up. <laughs> Han, who's one of our uh, fairly frequent posters at forum.theparacast.com, Harry A. Newton is Han. He says, I'm sorry this is a bit of a macabre question, but please You're ask You're in the right show we... here for macabre questions, <laughs> because you've got the macabre <laughs> questioner. Well, I, I wouldn't call it macabre. It's just kind of body part oriented. Um, please ask Mr. Weatherly if he knows of any ceremonies or rituals that require or involve specific organs or parts of animals, especially cows, he adds, that could account for some cattle mutilation cases. And he says also, or alternatively, if my first question was not appropriate, please ask what the best advice or piece of wisdom he has been given by his shaman. So there's a two-parter for you. <laughs> um, you know, I'll answer the, the second half of that first. I think that, you know, after years of studying with different shamanic teachers, the, the most valuable lesson that I learned early on from those guys was uh, awareness, you know, essentially keeping a very high level of awareness and, and just paying attention. I, I think if more people did that we would find uh some very different manifestations in the world you know the more you pay attention to your surroundings the, the events that are happening the, the way people are interacting with you um that's the easiest way i can encompass the the concept just by saying right. you know a high yeah, incredibly cool, high level of awareness all right we'll get to the next part of the answer in our next segment with david weatherly joining gene and chris and now Chris is going to be possessed by a creature. You're in the Paracast. Neighbors, are you tired of dealing with a slow web hosting provider? Well, check out A2 Hosting and their screaming fast Swift server platform. They even have SSDs at load pages 300% faster than the competition. Ready to give your site a speed boost? Well, tell you what, neighbors, 
head on over to a2hosting.com. That's A2, that's number two, a2hosting.com. Check out their Prime Hosting account. And get this, neighbors, they're even giving you an exclusive 25% off discount for all our listeners. 25%. And remember, their Guru Crew support team is standing by 24-7, 365 days a year to answer any of your questions. Now, to get the discount, use the coupon code GENE when you check out. Quantitative easing, unemployment at depression levels, Europe financial system falling apart, China getting out of U.S. treasuries. At the end of 2008, the time of TARP, the national debt was at 11 trillion gold, trading around $850 per ounce. Close to 2012, the national debt exceeded 16.4 trillion, gold doubled to $1,600 per ounce. The 20 trillion threshold for the national debt is inevitable. Politicians in Washington have a ferocious appetite for spending and stimulus. What's worse, a printing press to finance. A hundred years ago, we had a gold standard to limit this madness, but now you have to adopt your own gold standard. Don't be fooled with paper promises. Get Midas Resources 10 Reasons to Buy Gold free by calling 800-686-2237. Understanding the gold and silver market may be the only insurance you could have to avoiding the next economic crisis. Call 1-800-686-2237 and order your free copy. Again, that's 800-686-2237. The National Preppers and Survivalist Expo, presented by Triton Shelter Technologies, is the only national event designated for the prepper community. October 19th and 20th at the North Atlanta Trade Center in Atlanta, Georgia. Admission is free, and the doors open at 9 a.m. Join us and learn life-saving tips that can help you and your family handle crisis situations. Special guests include Kevin O'Brien from Nat Geo's Doomsday Preppers, David Crawford, author of Lights Out, the director and cast members from the movie Lights Out Saga, and more. Special guest speakers include GCN's own Dr. Joel Wallach, along with Dr. Bones, Nurse Amy, and Tom Martin, the director of the American Preppers Network, two-time field and stream champion Chad Weatherford, along with many other leading experts from around the country. Join us for the country's largest emergency preparedness event, absolutely free, October 19th and 20th at the North Atlanta Trade Center in Atlanta, Georgia. For more information, visit NPSExpo.com. That's NPSExpo.com. Great news, pure water lovers. BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com has a special discount offer for all GCN listeners. You can't do better than a Big Berkey for economy. For only 1.7 cents a gallon, a single set of filters can last for 5 to 10 years. There's none better than a Big Berkey for emergency preparedness as a backup water source. And you just can't beat a Big Berkey to remove dangerous chlorine, all types of fluoride, pathogenic bacteria, cysts, parasites, and unhealthy byproducts from municipal water. Berkey water filter systems are even powerful enough to purify stagnant pond water. For the gold standard in water filters, get a Big Berkey at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. And all GCN listeners get 5% off all ceramic filter systems. For details, call 1-877-99-BERKEY. That's 877-99-BERKEY. Big Berkey Water Filters, for the love of clean water. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. What creature 
Chris O'Brien, were you possessed by? Um, a medium channeling Cthulhu. <laughs> it's easy for you to say. Try to say that five times without, no, forget about it. David Weatherly joining us, answering your questions, listeners, as they are posted at forum.theparacast.com. David, you started an answer, and it's kind of like a multi-part question. So do you have another part? I sure yeah. do. The, cattle you know, parts. Uh, the cattle what parts. are they used for? <laughs> wow. You know, uh, well, again, if we if we go back through the history of various magical traditions, yeah, we do find occasions where specific animal parts were used um, to varying degrees. You know, there are, uh, for instance, um, you know, in early divination, they would sometimes take the entrails out of an animal and uh, spill it across the, the altar area in order to, you know, look at the patterns and so forth and divine what's happening. Uh, as far as shells. more modern, right. As far as a more modern context, really with the whole sort of uh, creation of uh, Satanism in the seventies, you know, Anton LaVey's whole uh, wave of, of showmanship along with that, we had a lot of people who started, practicing varying degrees of, of black magic and Satanism and so forth. And really, this is all, um, a lot of this is modern, in you know, a fairly modern creation of uh, perversion of, of more traditional rituals. So you do find some cases where these guys purport to use uh, various animal parts for uh, sacrifice or divination or uh, to achieve a particular goal, you know, to curse someone. Uh, even... And, and now as I'm thinking more about this, I'm remembering other things. As far as cow parts in some of the Afro-Caribbean traditions, which we would interpret as uh, Santeria or uh, voodoo, you will find uh, there's a, a, a whole ritual to silence a person who is speaking against you. And the, the ritual involves taking a cow's tongue and uh, nailing it to a tree along with some other uh, specific things within the ritual that reportedly will bind the tongue of the person and stop them from saying uh, bad things about you. Maybe I should have said before this, yuck alert, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> yeah. Well, it morning. is October. It is October, so it's kind of fitting, I guess, we get into some of the more uh, macabre aspects of these things. <laughs> yeah, I've done a, actually quite a bit of research into this realm as well, which I will be covering in my new book, Stalking the Herd. And... Uh, in Africa, you do find some pretty interesting subcultural belief systems relating to specific body parts and how they can be used ritualistically, some of which um, I don't want to go into right now. Thank you. <laughs> I was trying to avoid some of the more colorful uh, uses of, of certain body parts. <laughs> you know, I kind of think here as people are listening sometimes to this show in their cars, you know, they download the version from iTunes. They run it in their cars, they hook up their iPhones or whatever to their car by Bluetooth, and they're listening. And then you say something really interesting like that, and they're ready to just run off the road. You think of massive epidemic of trucks and cars running off the road at something said on the Paracast. I'm thinking of the lawsuits. I'm kidding. The African practice of sure. female genital mutilation. Uh, right. Well, sure. and that's and, that's know, something that you don't hear about in the West very often, but it's a very real thing. Right. Well, and, and we go, you know, to Asia and, and are large portions of Asia that take, uh, you know, animal parts and, and grind them up and, you know, um, consume them for energy and vitality and fertility and, and a wide range of different purposes. That was quite politically correct. 
I like that. <laughs> I I kind of cringed where you were going with that, but you, you I know <laughs> you did a good save on that one there. Yeah, it, it, the human the human belief systems that develop over time subculturally around the world really are are quite fascinating. And if it's not of your culture, sometimes uh, there's even a bit of revulsion that might be attached to it. And, you know, I, I really have a sense, and David, you brought this up earlier, that the very power of belief in an individual has presence. But when you combine that individual belief into a collective belief, it has even more presence and, and possibly power. And then when you look at the possibility that the subconscious of humanity might be manifesting belief in some collective unconscious way, then, you know, the, <laughs> it's, it's really an intriguing area of study that I don't think enough attention has been brought to. Yeah. And it, it's, you know, it's certainly a, a path that goes a lot further down the rabbit hole and it's, uh, it's very compelling. You know, you're talking about this uh, interaction between not just our own uh, subconscious, but also the collective consciousness. And, you know, we we know relatively little about what humans are completely capable capable of. I, I mean, I think we've only scratched the surface of what our abilities are. And, um, you know, that's uh, in part why a lot of people reach back, I think, to more ancient traditions, you know, even if it's something as simple as, as meditation. Uh, you know, it's been a whole craze of, of creative visualization and things like this that, you know, really resonate with people because they're looking for paths to re reach their own greater potential. You know, you said something within the midst of that that really brought this to mind, and, and I kind of want to go into this a little bit, and this this, this concept of the tulpa, which really is, you know, encompasses what we're talking about here, this whole interaction with uh, some type of energy field that is outside of us, but also, you know, our own consciousness and our own projections. And um, I, I'm kind of knee-deep in finishing the next book, which is on this topic right now. And uh, one of the things I found fascinating that I relate is there's a, there's a very famous haunted site. I'm sure, you know, most of your listeners have heard of the Myrtles Plantation. Now, the Myrtles Plantation is in Louisiana. It's purportedly one of the most haunted sites in the country. And literally thousands of people go there every year to, you know, take the ghost tour. A lot of people go to, to stay and to, in, quote, investigate and try to catch evidence. And when you go down there and you listen to the ghost tour and you listen to the tales uh, that are focused around the Myrtles, you, you will hear the story of Chloe. Now, the story goes that Chloe was a slave that lived on the plantation. She was in having an affair with the master. Um, she sort of fell out of favor. She got caught eavesdropping, and as a result, one of her ears was cut off. So she afterwards always wore a turban to cover that. Now, in order to try to get back in the master's favor, she uh, poisoned the children of the household with what she thought was a mild dose of poison. The idea was to get these kids sick so that she could nurse them back to health and sort of be the hero and be in favor again. But she used too much poison and these kids died. So as I said, you know, people constantly go there and search for evidence of Chloe. In fact, there's a famous photograph. To my knowledge, it, it hasn't been debunked that I've really tried to find out more about this photograph. You can find it on the internet. 
It's a picture that purports to be an apparition of Chloe standing between the, the main house and the back house. We will look for Chloe and other people. I gather there are some people listening to us named Chloe, and there are characters on TV shows named Chloe. And we have David Weatherly, and we have Chris O'Brien, and we have Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com U.S., one in every 50 homes will have a break-in this year. Burglars call it smash and grab. Police call it robbery. We call it avoidable. We are Fake TV, a simple electronic device that can fool even professional burglars. Fake TV easily plugs into any outlet and simulates the changing colors of a television. To a burglar, it looks like someone must be home watching TV, so they'll likely move on to an easier target. At only $29.95, Fake TV costs less than a month of most alarm monitoring plans and comes with free shipping. Order your Fake TV by calling 877-5-FAKE-TV or go to faketv.com. That's 877-532-5388 or faketv.com. Fake TV, the burglar deterrent. We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years and serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light Systems system today complete with two black berkey elements for only 231 dollars and the berkey guy will ship your order free of charge with the purchase of a berkey light the berkey guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only 39.99 that's over 30 percent off the retail price call the berkey guy at 1-877-886-3653 that's 1-877-886-3653 or order online at goberkey.com that's goberkey.com today 
My name is Bruno. I'm 52 years old. I've tried different protein powders over the years, and they've all tasted pretty bad. I tried One World Way and found it to be delicious. After 10 weeks on One World Way, my wife commented, "You have more muscles and you're leaner than when you were 20 years old." My body has changed dramatically. I'm a cyclist. Normally, I'll ride two days on and take two days off. After being on One World Way, I rode 10 days in a row in over 100 degree heat, and then I take another two servings of One World Way, and then work out at the gym for another hour and a half. I just couldn't believe these results. My normal muscle tightness and soreness after working out are virtually gone. Don't take my word for it. One World Way comes in single servings. Just give it a try. For a health and taste sensation you'll love, call 888-988-3325. That's 888-988-3325. That's 888-988-3325. Or visit oneworldway.com. That's oneworld w h e y.com. My name is Richard Dolan. You're listening to the Paracast. Oh yeah, you're on the Paracast, and we're exploring some fascinating, fascinating stuff with a returning guest, David Weatherly, doing this for 35 years until he gets it right. You want to go on with the story of Chloe? So we're talking about Chloe at the Myrtles Plantation. You know, on a on a regular basis, people are going and they're collecting quote evidence of Chloe. You know, people have caught EVPs that are purportedly her photographs of of apparitions or partially apparitions of Chloe. And people that work at the plantation will report seeing her or having interactions with her. But here's the intriguing thing: historically, she never existed. The Children who purportedly were poisoned and died. Historical documents show they actually died of yellow fever. There's no evidence whatsoever of Chloe ever having been a real person. Somewhere along the way, this this story was created and it's been passed down for years and years. And now, with the popularity of ghost hunting, we have We have people flooding to the Myrtles Plantation looking for evidence of Chloe and finding it. So we have to question exactly why is this happening? It, we get into the areas of the Tulpa now. You know, an image that has had so much energy put into it from the, wow, collective, the power of collective belief that it begins to manifest. Exactly. Well, one of the um, you know I covered Tulpas and the Jinn and. Uh, a lot of these types of phenomena in my book, Stalking the Tricksters, and one of the most compelling uh, figures, uh, historical figures uh, from the turn of the 19th, 20th century, was Alexandra David Neal, who uh, oh, yes. was one of the first women to go to Tibet, Western women to go to Tibet, and claimed that she actually was able to get the training, very rigorous training that it took to allow her to manifest a tulpa, and much to her. <laughs> Dismay, she was unable to make it go away. <laughs> it started getting a life of its own. Um, yeah. uh, give us some other examples. Uh, tulpas have fascinated me for years, and this Tibetan tradition is is not well known in the West. Yeah, and that that particular story that is just uh, that that's phenomenal. Uh, the woman herself is amazing. I, I can't believe no one has 
has done some kind of a you know blockbuster movie about this woman's life. She you know went into the Forbidden Kingdom when it was you know closed to Westerners, let alone women, and she you know became very close to some of the lamas there and was taught this process to create this tulpa. And uh, you know she sort of brought the concept back to the West uh, when, during her travels when she presented that idea. And of course, she details it in her uh, Magic and Mystery in Tibet book. Uh, but essentially, like you're saying, Chris, she created uh, a, an image and to step outside of the cultural confines rather than create something Tibetan. Uh, since she was a Westerner, she focused on the idea of this jolly monk, sort of a Friar Tuck type of character. And uh, it, it's fascinating to look at the process because he went from an image in her mind to sort of a, a ghostly apparition to, you know, a fully physical form that was walking around in, in the midst of the camp. And um, he became quite terrifying when he took on a life of his own. And eventually she had to go back to the llamas and, and say, how, how do I get rid of this thing, you know, now that I've created it? And it was a completely different process that she had to go through in order to sort of uh, disperse that energy and, and cause it to go away. But periodically other people have looked at this concept. It was, it was westernized when uh, Neil brought it back to uh, the UK and, and Europe and, you know, the Theosophical Society picked up on it and they translated it as the uh, concept of the thought form, which is a projected form, essentially the same thing as a tulpa. They just westernized the idea. And uh, periodically this comes up, uh, John Keel investigated it some. And, and in fact, one of the most fascinating stories I cover in the book is that uh, John Keel was called to investigate a, a haunting in a house in Greenwich Village. And when he went to the location, he was told by the people living in this house that they were seeing an apparition that was, uh, you know, this this male figure with a, a large cloak on and a large slouched hat. And they kept seeing this thing dart around the house and, and you know, it was kind of freaking them out. So they had called Keel, and when Keel started delving into the history of what was going on here, he discovered that the house had previously been owned by Walter Gibson. Walter Gibson um, wrote under the pen name Maxwell Grant, and he oh, created the shadow. Yeah, Walter Gibson wrote like 300 shadow novels over a period of, what, 10 or 15 years? He was also what? a magician. Yes. Interesting character, Walter Wal B. Gibson. Walter Gibson. Now, here, here's a phenomenal thing, and I, I'm sure, uh, you know, this blew me away when I read it, and I'm sure Chris will be impressed, too. At, at his height... Um, Walter Gibson was writing two full-length shadow novels per month. Dang, I have to explain. Like Let me explain something. It sounds here. like Nick Redfern. Yeah, he he wrote somewhere. Uh, well, maybe around. that's where this the, this whole fedora shadow person uh, comes from. Well, maybe. the fedora, of course, is what the shadow wore. If you remember this not well-reviewed movie with Alec Baldwin as the shadow, yes. he wears the fedora hat. But there's another thing to bear in mind, too, here, is that these novels, we think novels, we think it's, you know, 300 pages of shadow. These were really short novels, okay? Sure, he was writing one every two weeks, but they were short novels. It wasn't like a Nick Redfern book or a book by Brad Steiger, which has, you know, like 900 pages or something. Well, but you also have to account for, you know, yeah, they were, you know, somewhere between 150 and 200 pages. Uh, each novel, but you know, Gibson was also writing articles. He he wrote um, 
He wrote pieces on magic because he was a magician. Uh, you know, he was writing somewhere in the neighborhood of two million words a year. Uh, but the the point I was going to with that whole thing was you have to account for Walter Gibson sitting in that house, pecking away on a typewriter, you know, writing two shadow novels a month, putting all of that mental and creative energy into the concept of this being, you know, this really this figure, good point, this shadow. really good point. And when you think about uh, the potential manifestation of that amount of energy pouring into something, uh, you know, it, it's in some ways not surprising that after he's dead and gone, that people are seeing this ghostly image. Um, you know, you find this periodically with some of the older writers. Uh, Robert E. Howard, who was a creator of Conan, swore that the way he wrote his novels was that the character he was writing about would manifest to him and tell him the story. So, you know, he would he believed that he would see this apparition of Conan come and, and relate the tale to him as he said it as typewriter and, and, you know, cranked out the story. He wasn't just writing the story. He was being dictated a story is what you're saying. Well, yeah, because, you know, Howard started writing, I think his, uh, one of his first creations was uh, Bran McMorrin, I believe. And when he, you know, he started writing these stories and sending them to Weird Tales. And the editor, you know, at the time said, you know, they were really successful. And, um, you know, Howard all of a sudden sends a story about someone else, you know, Conan or, or King Cole or something. The editor says, no, no, I, I want another story about, you know, Brand McMorn. And Howard's response was, well, he, he stopped coming and talking to me. I, there's, there's, there's nothing else. There's nothing yeah. else. You know, but Conan, Conan was, I'll be back. Right. <laughs> and he didn't come back. <laughs> You know, I think there was talk of having Arnold play like a 75-year-old Conan. I mean, the last film I saw Arnold in, he plays this Southwest detective. And there's one line there where someone beats him up and someone says to him, how do you feel? And he says, I feel old. And I looked at him and I thought, yeah, and you look old. <laughs> I mean, this guy was, you know, really over the hill. You know, it's too bad that Tom Clancy isn't here, I would have wondered who gave him the stories of Jack Ryan. I can tell you some stories about Tom Clancy because I knew him very, very casually before he became very, very rich. Something that we're not. But we do have David Weatherly who is rich with knowledge. And we have Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. If you want to get your website online and you need reliable service, first-class service at the lowest possible price, there's only one place to go. Well, DreamHost has a special promotion with our show where they'll offer you unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, one-click web apps such as WordPress, 24-7 support. You can save over $55. You want to know how? Go to DreamHost.com radio, DreamHost.com radio. 
First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's The Coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. You're the kind of person who makes smart choices and is always prepared. That's why the PrepMart.com is perfect for you. Cook a great backyard meal with steam in about an hour with the Can Cooker Junior. Normally $74, on sale now for just $64.95. It's great for camping in emergencies. And batteries are on sale, up to 10% off our low prices. Right now at theprepmart.com. Great customer service you can trust. Get prepared at theprepmart.com. That's theprepmart.com. What if you had a witness everywhere you drive? Now you can with VideoDashCam.com. From truckers to motorcyclists, the handy Video Dash Cam can be used for insurance claims, accidents, police encounters, road rage, or natural disasters. Has instant screen playback and optional night vision. Get the best quality, affordable HD Dash cameras available at VideoDashCam.com. That's VideoDashCam.com. Or call 855-855-2022. Always have a witness with Video Dash Cam. To thank you for being a loyal listener, we have a limited-time freebie offer for you. Claim your free heirloom tomato seeds, just pay shipping, right now at 123freeseeds.com. These aren't ordinary seeds. These are heirloom, non-genetically modified super seeds that are open-pollinated and can be grown, harvested, and replanted endlessly. These survival seeds are actually more valuable than gold in a crisis. Go to 123freeseeds.com and you can get an airtight storage packet of 150 super seeds free while supplies last to say thank you for being a loyal listener. First come, first served. Just cover shipping. Go to 123freeseeds.com now to see if your free heirloom seeds are still available. That's 123freeseeds.com. Hi, my name is DeRay, suffering from migraines, having Botox injections in my head and neck to alleviate pain, costing $1,500 out of my pocket. I discovered Dr. Ortman and Gentle Touch Chiropractic Adjustment called Nuka. I'm migraine-free since my first adjustment. Thanks for giving me my life back, Dr. Ortman. I wish they prescribed you instead of Botox. Thanks, DeRay. Putting the bones back in place is only half of the solution. We design a nutritional supplement program the body can handle and actually absorb, providing nutrients, targeting the problem area. Between Nuka and nutrition, we will have you on the road to a faster and more permanent recovery. Look us up on the web at drortman.com or call 952-303-9124. Let us help you feel better faster. Wellspring Spinal Care at 952-303-9124. Again, that's 952-303-9124 or on the web at drortman.com. This is Jacques Vallée. You're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. Yes, the spiritual side of Chris O'Brien. 
But no leprechauns. You got a good leprechaun to bring us? Yes. Uh, fountain of knowledge, and I think that <laughs> remark is all wet. David Weatherly joining us. Chris, we're on the last segment of the show. That's how fast it's gone. Any wow. questions left? Well, this has been fun, David. Thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, I just enjoy uh, those those rare times we're able to like get together in person, and 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 when we do compare notes, it's always fascinating. I've been a, a real follower of your work, and we do have a question here, and this is a good one. This is one that I'm wondering about. This comes from Gogs Mackay, one of our forum administrators at forum.theparacast.com. And drumroll, please. Are you aware of any photographs or footage of any black-eyed children or shadow people or any of these kind of more modern interpretations of paranormal uh, manifestation? I have seen a photograph of a shadow person that really impressed me. It's yeah, unfortunately it has not been released publicly. It was from a um, a friend of mine who's a researcher uh, out east, and you know he he's just not interested in you know trying to become famous or anything like that with it. It's something that he got from an investigation, and it is uh, it's a very curious picture. It, it appears to be a shadowy human form, sort of on on the corner by a, a it looks like it's almost hanging from the ceiling it's almost spider-man like uh so it's sort of on the ceiling and on the on the wall right where the two join um and that's probably one of the most Im impressive paranormal photographs you know that, that i've seen as far as the black-eyed children you know i i really don't put a whole lot of stock in that simply because, you know, a few seconds on Photoshop, you can make anybody look like a black eyed person. And, um, well, with me, they you know, do all sorts of things on Photoshop. You've had, <laughs> there's actually a photograph of me online wearing a suit and a tie. And as Chris knows, I never, <laughs> ever wear a suit and a tie. I think when my son was born, Mitzvah, about 14 years ago, maybe. Well, now, I'll tell you what I do find even more intriguing, Chris, is that some of the cases I've, I've looked into involving these black-eyed kids, when there have been security cameras present, um, they often experience a, a weird malfunction, or there, there will literally be a, you know, just static on the tape. It's, uh, it's one of these things that brings to mind men in black encounters, you know, where they seem right. to interfere with electronic uh um, devices that are in range of, of the experience. And uh, that has happened on more than one occasion. So it, it's, um, it's happened to me personally. Yeah. So it's, it's something that, uh, again, we have to question exactly what type of, of manifestation or energy are we dealing with that disrupts those um, electronics in the area. I was doing a, um, an investigation up in Jerome, Arizona. Um, I was in the hallway on the second floor of the Connor Hotel. Mm. We had finished doing a interview with a psychic uh, who had gone through the building and, and did a very good job, by the way. And uh, while I was down taking some lights uh, down to the, to the vehicle, uh, Ron, the director, had put the camera at the end of a hallway, pointing down the empty hallway, which I was going to be subsequently walking up. Right behind the camera was a huge mirror. As I was walking up the hallway, I noticed a camera was there instead of in the room where we were interviewing the psychic, and I saw the red light on. I start mugging for the camera when I got about 20 feet away, and in the mirror, I saw 
a silhouetted shadow figure lean out from the wall and look at me, but it was behind me. I was looking in the mirror, and I thought, oh, my God, we did it. It was a three brand-new 3D Panasonic camera. The light was on. I ran into the room, and I said, we made history. We just filmed in 3D. I, I called it a ghost, but then thinking back quickly, I realized it was more of a shadow person. I saw no features. It was only a silhouette, and there was no doorway or anything in the hallway uh, where this happened about 10 feet behind me. And uh, we couldn't initialize the footage. It was a brand new camera. This is the first shooter to been used on. It's worked fine ever since, but we could not initialize. Explain I, to our listeners, this is so... getting into be all this geek talk. What does initialize the image mean to regular people? Well, okay, uh, video cameras used to have tape. Now they're hard drive cameras. And, and in order, when you hit the stop button when you're on record, it says, do you want to initialize or save this, this, this particular clip? And he tried to save it, and it wouldn't save it. It wouldn't initialize the clip so that it could be saved into memory. So somewhere in that camera, on that chip, is 3D footage. Not not just regular video footage, but a $22,000 3D camera took footage of something leaning out from a wall behind me as I'm walking towards the camera. And I, I thought we'd made history. And it's still, to this day, I am so... <laughs> I'm so like grinding my teeth about that. I thought, oh man, we did it. And, and you uh, know, Chris, I, I know the exact spot you're talking about because the last time I was there in the Connor in that in that same exact location where that mirror is, um, you know, I, I had a fellow investigator with me, and we could not, I could not get my camera to operate. I went through three different batteries that were fully charged, and every one of them died immediately when i put it in the camera yeah well in this case uh, the the red light was blazing you know the record light i could right. see it right uh but we we just were unable to actually save the it was actually a seven minute clip it was the last five minutes of our interview with the psychic and then he just grabbed the camera never turned it off and put it in the empty hallway facing down the hallway while i was downstairs delivering gear to the street and was on my way back up walking down the hallway and i saw this figure and initially i thought it was somebody in the hotel this is like 10 30 at night and i thought it was somebody in the hotel that heard me walk by and and opened their door and leaned out to look who it was and when i raced back i mean when i saw this figure i i instantly turned around and raced back the 10 feet and there was no door there wow. so uh and as it turns out there was actually nobody in that part of the of the hotel that Actually, I could have misconstrued as, as being a shadow person or a ghost or whatever. So, uh, to be honest, on the record, this is the only time I have ever seen some sort of potential shadow person, spectral figure, ghost, uh, disincarnate uh, energy in a human form, that sort of thing. And I thought we'd made history. We got it on 3D. <laughs> Did you think that maybe you heard in the background just faintly that laughter? <laughs> the yeah. shadow door, and that's something about shadow people david that has always kind of made me scratch my head there's a high percentage of shadow people that are wearing a hat like the shadow used to wear what's up with yeah. that well you know what chris uh, once again if you go back to uh you know further back in history you'll find that uh, earlier shadow manifestations were often described as monk-like figures wearing a robe, you know, with a with one of the hoods that pulls up. So we may be seeing a, again some type of cultural impression. Um, 
or perhaps, you know, whatever that entity or energy is, it's, it's utilizing more contemporary cultural ideas. Which may be somehow generated collectively. Exactly. Uh, oh, boy. So we have channeled the memory of the late <laughs> Walter B. Gibson, who wrote many of those shadow novels. We didn't channel that movie that Alec Baldwin did. We didn't channel the radio show with Orson Welles and a number of other actors. Orson Welles actually playing it for only a couple of years. David Weatherly, tell our listeners where they can find more of your stuff. Uh, you can purchase the books at leprechaunpress.com. Gene, you were looking for the leprechaun. There it is. Uh, you can follow my work at, uh, I have a blog at twocrowsparanormal.blogspot.com. That is T-W-O-C-R-O-W-S paranormal.blogspot.com. Folks, if you go to Lep the Leprechaun book site, there's a link there to his blog. You don't have to remember it. We've got one over at theparacast.com. So nothing has to be remembered. Just we offer this courtesy to our guests. David and I will also be uh, presenting at the Paradigm Symposium in St. Paul, Minnesota in a couple, three weeks. Really looking forward to that. It's going to be an incredible event. Looking forward to it. And by the way, you can find us at theparacast.com, the forums at forum.theparacast.com. You can find the Paracast on Twitter. And you can find two Paracast fan clubs on Facebook, and maybe someday they'll tell us how to make it one on the same account. David Weatherly, thank you for joining us this week on the Paracast. Pleasure as always, gentlemen. Thanks for having me on. The Paracast, featuring Gene Steinberg and Christopher O'Brien, is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. Tune in next week for a new adventure in The Paracast.